0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. How do you pass up the opportunity to spit blood in Joan Baez's Face. 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 Twain. I've read Huckleberry Fit. I think I earned the right to go on the internet and see a guy get a chainsaw on the face. Dude, my dad was drunk and my mom was dealing with it. Guess what? I got raised by Clunky Monster. My cock looks like it's been in a hockey fight. Time my stupidity. It's at the speed of goddamn light. I got a bunch of blocks.
1: Hey, what's happening? Mike Schmidt, 40 year old boy podcast. Folks, I want to help you. I do. I wish I could reach out there and do what I could to make sure that you were warm and safe and happy, and I could maybe wrap you up in four blankets and ten layers of clothing and just hold you in a gigantic bear hug. You know what I could probably do? If I just laid on top of you, that would warm you up. I'm a big, giant dude. I could just lay on top of you like a big flesh blanket. Oh, boy, doesn't that, doesn't that sound appetizing? I can't believe that came out of my fucking mouth. Oh, Jesus Christ, a flesh blanket. Doesn't that bring up Ed Kemper and Ed Gein and any other Ed who's got a flesh fucking blanket in his guy? Goddamn house. Uh, Eddie Mecca. You know what? I don't know if you know this. Carmine Ragusa. Eddie Mecca had a flesh blanket as well. All of those Eds. All of those Eddies. All of those guys were a problem. Anybody named Ed or Eddie. Eddie Van Halen. Perhaps he's killing people. You know what? That would be a pretty good gig for a serial killer to be a rock star. What if you were like a rock star and you went, because you're going city to city, because there was that one stand-up comedian, a guy I know named Vince Champ, and, uh, and look, he was, he certainly he was a qualified stand-up comedian. He would get book, booked all over. He was on Star Search and did very well. Unfortunately, he was also raping women and spitting in their mouths. So that's probably not something you keep on the resume. You go ahead and keep that. That's, you know what? That's your side business. You got a resume for comedy. You hand that out to people. You're like, hey, man, I'd love to get booked in your club. Do not, by any uh, I would say by any stretch of the imagination, do not share the fact that you're going to rape women in that town and you're going to spit in their mouths because that would be a very bad thing to include i mean look louis ck is getting work so who the fuck knows maybe maybe vince would have still got some work i don't know i can't speak to that i know louis on a tour and he's playing theaters all over the goddamn place and, and look i know you're thinking to yourself well my louis no vince champ uh i how do you know how do you know this about louis louis what louis, what if vince champ is doing the exact same thing that louis was doing for fuck's sake what if louis and vince champ what if yeah get this all right hold on vince champ's in jail Louis's out there working the road what if what if somehow Vince Champ isn't really in jail? He has got a. He put a dummy in his bunk and he snuck out and he's now. He's Louis C.K. He dyed his skin. He got vitiligo and he shaved his fucking head and he's out there doing mopey material uh, about uh, millennials and whatever the fuck else. And they had. You went, that would require, of course, that they haven't checked on Vince Champ's cell in 11 years. And that's a possibility. Certainly, I don't know what our jail systems are like. If he's in one of those private jails, I read about those fucking places. What a goddamn nightmare. They're jails that are run by the state, right? And then, then those are. Uh, I guess filled with state employees and stuff like that. But there are private jails, man. What the f- who the fuck wants to own a private jail? I guess and then because then you always read about those guys. They're the ones who are like, hey man, uh we serve our p- inmates graham crackers. And the g- uh, inmates are like, hey, these are fucking cardboard discs. And you're like, ah, fuck you, you're in jail. It's graham crackers. Because that's the thing with prisoners, man. They can't complain. And they every time they do somebody steps up and like, fuck you, you shouldn't have punched that guy in the face. Like, whenever anybody in jail has something to say, hey, I have a, a question. Is there a way we could stop the rape? That would be fantastic if we didn't get raped so much here. And there's a lot of rape talk on this podcast already early on. Hello, 2019. And look, I'm bringing rape back as a podcast topic. Normally, people won't touch it. A lot of people, they evade it. They walk away from it. They, take, they not even walk away from it. They walk around it because it's always there. It's lurking in the center of the road and they just come walking right up to it and they take a wide berth. They're like, you know what? I'm going to cross the street to avoid this rape talk. And I don't blame them quite frankly, but look at me. I take it on head on. I drive my 2007 Toyota directly right into the face of rape talk. And then I bring it to you guys here on this podcast. This is, this has to be a record for the word rape being said in a podcast, unless you have a podcast called rape talk, you know, and let's talk about that. If you don't, should you? And if you do, uh, how have I not heard of it and how is it not popular? Why, what if it was popular? What if it was the most popular? Cause again, I don't I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. Maybe rape talk is the number one podcast in the goddamn country in the world. Nay, the world. I say, uh, but the point is you're all freezing cold. And But I'm warming you up with, with rape talk. Oh, my God. <laughs> Flesh Blankets and Rape Talk. I wish I could name the show that, man. It's too early, right? It's too fucking early to name the show something. Flesh Blankets and Rape Talk? That sounds pretty good to me. Uh, Jesus Christ, that's awful. Nobody wants that to be the name of the show. And although... Boy, that's a real test for the people who download this show. That's a real test for the iTunes store. They see flesh blankets and rape talk as the goddamn title. Uh, and especially now with my burgeoning Twitch empire, I've got young people following me and going ahead and popping into my chat room and going, you're funny. What, where have you been? One guy asked me that. Today, he's like, why aren't you famous? Like I, Because I don't know, uh, because the world doesn't work that way. It's not like you just go ahead and get famous. You can't make a phone call. I'd love to. I'd call somebody and go, hey, excuse me. (laughs) This is Mike Schmidt. And I'm sure the agent at the end of them would go, hold on a second. Are you the progenitor of flesh blankets and rape talk? And I'd say, of course I am. And they'd go, we've got a business for you, man. Let's get you on the road, opening for Vince C.K. and Louis Champ. Let's fucking do that, baby. And then we do a theater tour and those guys because I'll tell you what, I I will I will certainly have a normal life on the road if I'm out with those two guys because at the end of the show, they'll be like I'll be like, You want to hang out? And they'll be like, We've got stuff to do. And I'm like, I'm sure you do. <laughs> now, because you know, Louie, I'm gonna go ahead and jerk off, but I won't have anybody watch me. How's that? I because look, every night I was on the road, I jerked off. I'm not gonna lie to you. That was a thing. When I was on the road, that was you looked forward to it all goddamn day. And sometimes in the afternoon, sometimes before the show, sometimes after. Sometimes I do it three times in a day. Cause what else am I gonna fucking do? Go to the mall? Now look, I also went to the mall. Now, did I jerk off in the mall? That's none of your goddamn business. However, uh, when you're on the road, that's your thing. You're in the fucking room and you're just uh, and also uh, this is going to be horrifying probably and I shouldn't share this with you. But, uh, you know, those aren't uh, my sheets. I don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? It's not I, I don't have to, you know, at home. Uh, you you gotta you gotta jerk off in a place. You gotta have a receptacle. You got It's not like when I was a kid, and I could just fire off all over the goddamn place and ruin a carpet for the rest of my life. No, this is when you're a guy on the road. Uh, that's you're free. You're out of jerk off jail. You can just jerk off all over the guy. And they always say the thing where like, go, oh, oh my god, don't use the black light and look at the room, dude. Do not. Yeah, if you used the black light and looked at my fucking room, it would just, it would. It, it would it would look like the inside of an alien spaceship because of all the blue, the neon blue you would have if you used the black light. Because I just fucking I went off like a goddamn busted sprinkler all over the fucking room. Right when I walked in the door, boom, shoot, boom, shoot, like fucking Spider Man. I'm just throwing ropes. I'm am throwing ropes and shooting webs all over the goddamn room. I didn't fucking care. Not my room, damn it. Um. Although I will tell you this, I did have a rule. I never. I would never uh fire away because I, I and I did this on purpose. I swear to God. Uh, I would take the top cover off Uh, sheets they're fair game because they're changing those. They're cleaning those, whatever the fuck. That's fine. That shit's going away. But that top cover, I don't think they ever washed that motherfucker. And I can and I look and that's a bullet you take when you're in the hotel room anyway, because in your brain, you're just thinking, well, you know what? I mean, obviously, I'm I'm under a cum blanket as it is. I mean, seriously, everybody else has gone off. So I was not going to participate and I was not going to add to the fucking cum bullseye that that top blanket was in a fucking hotel room. But sheets. Fuck that! Or you could you could wring the sheets out. You could boil them and make my kid. My DNA is all over fucking hotels from goddamn Mankato to fucking Mississippi. I have covered this fucking town in my zygotes. This fucking town I call the U.S. a town. Who gives a fuck? Everybody's getting fucking covered up. I threw a white beard on everybody in this fucking world. Uh, because when you're on the road, that's what you do. If you're not writing material, you're jerking off. And uh, and I was look, I was writing material and jerking off. That's how I, you know. That's how you know you're a good comic. <laughs> Ah, When you got time to write bits, when you're doing new material every night in between the jerk off sessions, I would, you know, you jerk off because again, it's the afternoon, man. If you're not going out, you're just sitting in your room and you're just fucking, you know, sometimes I just wake up, you know, I say, and as you know, I'm a person who sleeps without, uh, I'm not uh, clad in any clothing. I sleep naked because why not? Even on the road, I know you're like, oh my God, Christ, why would you do that? Well, who fucking cares? At that point, it's like Anthony Bourdain says, he goes, sometimes you got to challenge yourself. Sometimes you got to eat something you're scared of. Sometimes you got to go ahead and put something in your mouth that might ruin you and take the fucking chance because the experience is going to be worth it well that's how i feel about sleeping naked in a bed in a fucking hotel room i don't give a fuck i'm just tucking myself in there as far as i'm concerned they've cleaned the sheets and hopefully everything's fine uh and hopefully the guy that had the room before me was not me i hope i didn't rent the room before me because i'm just laying there in a nice fucking peaceful bed of fucking <laughs> what could have been my kids um But, but I, that's how I handled my business on the road. You know, you, you run one off in the, in the afternoon, maybe you run one off in the shower before the show. Then you come home that night and just fucking right before you go to sleep, boom, just fucking just blast it. Just fucking let it go. That's how yeah, that's how I handle it. But I did, I was very respectful and I put that top cover on the floor. Uh, because I, I and I would position myself where I knew I wasn't going to reach the floor. And then let's not even talk about that. But anyway, the point is, uh, and that was when I was a younger man in the, in the younger days when I hit the ceiling uh, nowadays. I, I I don't know. I don't know what kind of a fucking I, I think my uh, my the caliber of my AR-15 may now be an AR-10. We may we may have lost a little velocity, but who knows? Uh, it, and it depends. It all look, as you know, it all depends on the buildup. It all depends on the excitement. It all depends on what you're doing. If you're if you <laughs> what am I talking about this? Shut the fuck up. Nobody wants to hear about that god damn keep that to yourself all right uh and you know me i keep most things to myself i don't share a lot with you guys i try to keep it very under down low here i certainly don't want to tell you i jerked off three times a day in a goddamn hotel room when i was on the road sometimes i jerked off driving to stay awake yes i did that of course i did why wouldn't you do that do that now here's what i say to you i advise you if you're on a long trip and you're driving overnight you're feeling a little drowsy you got the windows open and the air's hitting you in the face and you're just like well this isn't working you chug a couple of cokes that doesn't work you get the music cranked up and you're singing you're still a little drowsy run one off just fucking jerk because I I did that. I I oftentimes. All right, I'll tell you this one time. <laughs> I was driving and uh, and I I had to go like it was like three hundred miles overnight. All right, I was coming home from South Dakota. I was coming back to uh, to Illinois, and uh, and I I wound up. Look, I'm going to share this with you because we're all friends, and this is what a younger man did to stay awake on the road. Uh, I edged for like a hundred miles. All right, and if you know what that is. Uh, basically, I was I was. uh, <laughs> This is so awful. I can't believe I'm sharing this with you. And I apologize. I don't fucking apologize. You've been here 12 years or 11 years. What the fuck? You know I talk about this shit. Uh, I just I jerked off for 100 miles, but never never uh, you know never n- never finished. Uh, I would get to the point, and then I'd I'd back off, and I'd keep driving, and then I'd keep driving because it's nighttime. So and there's nobody else on the fucking road. Nobody's gonna look in. No trucker's gonna see me jerking off. Uh, and, and I you know this is I was this is what probably leads to a Vince Champ. He might be doing something like that, and then he goes he's like, hey man. I Got a, there's a house there that nobody can fucking see, uh, and I'm not that guy. I didn't have that instinct, but I keep myself awake. I would I edged for like it was like a hundred miles, and I made sure in my brain I was like, all right, we well, got a hundred miles to go, and I did, I edged for a hundred miles, and then when I hit that hundred miles, I went into a fucking flying J, and uh, and then yeah, I, I won't lie to you, I went and finished in a goddamn in in the restroom because why not? Because I wasn't gonna look. I'm not gonna come in my car. What am I gonna do? Like I, my car's not a hotel room for fuck's sake. I might have slept in it, but I'm not gonna fucking do that. Look, I'll I'll ruin your fucking hotel room, but my car is come free. Uh, my car free anyway, as we talked about, well, never mind. go watch the Toronto show. Um, anyway, the point is folks, uh, don't jerk off uh, unless you're on the road or in a hotel room or, or in your house. Actually, always jerk off. I apologize. Let me go ahead and back up. I should say to you, always jerk off. And uh, and also you're cold. I know you're freezing. My, I I know I've warmed you off with jerk off talk right now. I've warmed you up and thought you thought to yourselves, well fuck. I mean, that's because that you know what fuck that. That's a good way to stay warm. Lay in your house under four blankets and just fucking run it off. It, this is ladies and men. Just fucking get get your hand. Ladies get a handful of yourself and just fucking roll it. And, or you got a look if you got a Hitachi magic wand, plug that motherfucker in. Sleep with it next to you. So you just wake up in the middle of the night cold. Just grab it and just put it on. You know I don't. Does that have a low setting? I don't even know if it does. I stepped on one at fucking Lily's house and uh, and looked at them all. Oftentimes before Like going Hmm is this a thing To get with somebody You know we were looking And then we were like Eh Um it's such. It's just such an industrial-looking fucking tool, the Hitachi magic wand. It's like other shit that's like shaped like a cock. You're like, all right, well I can hide this in a bedside table or under a mattress or whatever. Hitachi magic wand. You need a goddamn power bench. I mean, you need, you need a garage with a fucking cabinet. I mean, if you've got a sex toy that needs a holster and a cabinet, you you might want to go ahead and think twice. You just get a banister and slide up and down it. For fuck's sake. I mean, and look, I'm not just you know running down the Hitachi magic wand. I, I from what I understand, it is the premium. Sex toy, and it's the one you want because uh, it's got that big fucking knob at the end and stuff. But it also it's got that Louisville Slugger aspect to it. Like I, I think, look, if you're gonna buy a Hitachi Magic Wand, because I'll tell you, you get fleshlight. They got fleshlights. Of, uh, of like women's, uh, pussies. And then they got men's, like, the, the, like, the mold of their cock. I think Hitachi Magic Wands should have a fucking signature of a baseball player on the barrel because the goddamn thing looks like a Louisville slugger. Just have a barrel with, like, fucking Bryce Harper's name on it. So you can think of him while you got that fucking gigantic vibrating apple between your fucking legs. Holy shit, the Hitachi Magic Wand. What a miracle. Um, but it is, but it is just, uh, you know. So if you're a lady, go ahead and throw it in bed with you. Lay it right next to you. It's that's it. Unless you look, if you got, and look, if you've got a man or a woman in your life, then please, by all means, explore one another and keep each other warm. But if you're solo, man, dudes, run it off. Just fucking firing, boom, boom, boom. Wake up in the middle of the night, and let it go, absolutely. And ladies, you know, sleep with that fucking Hitachi magic wand between your legs. Like I said, on low. That must be that must be a fun like kind of way to just nod off. Although maybe it's, I guess if it's keeping, it's maybe that keeps you edging. Like I did when I was going a hundred miles and running, (laughs) I was like, I was like, I was like NWA, but I was a hundred miles and coming. (laughs) God damn. I want to name the show that too. Holy shit. These are, these are names that will never qualify for me. They will never be good on, on the fucking iTunes store. A hundred miles and coming. Or Flesh Blankets and Rape Talk. There you go. You guys, let's put up a a poll on the Joker's page. What should be the name of the show? Now, look, it's silly to do that because it's Monday and you're not going to hear this fucking thing until Thursday. But still, I've got a decision to make. And I can tell you this. Neither of those will be the name of the show. It just won't. There's got to be something that comes along later. Better. Better later. Uh, but man how fucking cold is it dude it's like 90 degrees below zero and people are fucking freezing and, and I saw dude I saw a fucking thing oh you know bullshit I wanted to talk about this because I just talked about the fucking Hitachi magic wand I'm talking about ladies taking care of themselves and uh, and and look ladies I'm glad I'm not you that's all I'm going to say I got a cock and I know what to do with it you just fucking because you know, it it, it's uh, vaginas are such a mystery there's such a fucking uh, uh uh like a duffel bag of 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 pleasure and weirdness. I d- I don't know how to fucking explain it. Just a fucking just a miracle sleeve. God damn, I love vagina so much. But I was reading a story that uh that apparently vaginas are are there's women uh, look, ladies, your vaginas are perfect. They're they're perfect. Don't you don't have to put in a fucking jade egg. You don't have to steam the motherfucker. It's it's from what I understand it's a miracle. It's a self-cleaning fucking brilliant. It's 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 the greatest machine ever invented. We you know we talk about the human body itself and what a miracle it is. The vagina is the miracle of all miracles. It is the it is the the temple of holiness and the most brilliant place on earth. And it, it is self-cleaning. It is it is everything you needed and wanted in a in an organ or a fucking a sex what <laughs> the repository or a whatever the fuck reproductive system however you want to fucking call it. Uh you know the the vagina, the vulva, the clitoris, the, all of it. I'm going to name all the parts. Why not? Um There was a story where, like, women are... I saw a story where it's like, women don't do this to your vaginas. And, like, I mean... First of all, let's talk about the arrogance of that, okay? There's never been an article like, men, don't do this with your cock. Because they people don't give a shit what guys do with their dicks. You want to stick it in a wood chipper or fucking hammer in a nail? Go ahead and do that. You want to stroke the fuck out of it with 14 bars of soap? Do that. You want to stick it in a fucking bowl of jello? You want to stick it in a hollowed-out peach? Do yourself a favor and take care of business. Guys, just fucking go nuts. But instead, they got to warn women not to do with their vaginas. Because women... have been told unfortunately that their vaginas are this or they're that, or they, you know, Oh my gosh, the, there's a weird odor or there's the fuck that. Fuck you. Your vagina is perfect. H- h- listen to me. Listen, fucking listen to me. All right. Your vagina is perfect. Don't, don't fucking steam it. Don't put parsley in it. And I know you're like, what the fuck? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that happens. I just read a thing where people, women are putting parsley in their vaginas. There was an article, like they said it would, uh, it would like stimulate your period. Like it was some magazine. Was it fucking Cosmopolitan or one of those magazines, Harper's Bazaar the uh, Mechanics. <laughs> it was one of those. Uh, Marie Claire, I think, or something like that. It was one of those magazines. And it was like, hey, you know, uh, parsley stimulates your period, so you can go ahead and put that in your vagina. And it's like, what the fuck? Why would you who's who's putting in a garnish in their vagina that's a meal in itself I don't need a garnish with it it's a meal in itself and I take care of it I don't need you to fucking garnish it I don't know and so I read this article they're like yeah don't do this man it doesn't it might it like stimulates blood flow in some way but not not putting it directly in your fucking vagina and who ladies look I love you I love all of you I love you all of your vaginas every single one of you yes even yours uh they're perfect don't don't put parsley in there. Don't, don't let a man or anybody or a, a like a fucking magazine tell you, trick you that you got to vajazzle it or whatever. It's fucking gold. Your, your vagina is a goddamn gold mine and I'm not being literally and figuratively. It's a gold mine. And oh yeah, I know you're thinking to yourself, literally. Yeah. You know why? Because another thing you shouldn't put in your vagina is a glitter bomb, a fucking glitter bomb. Can you believe that people? And they were like, it's a guess it's a toy or like a little plastic thing, but it dissolves and it's a. It's supposed. To, it was like a sex thing. It was supposed to liven up your sex life. I don't look, man. If I'm down, if I'm if I'm in the vagina, if I've got vagina in my sights, if I'm pulling right up, if your vagina is in front of me like a painted-on tunnel in a Wiley Coyote cartoon, I'm gonna smash my face into it, and I don't fucking need any glitter to enhance the experience. It's just fucking happening, baby. I don't need. I don't need to look like your fucking vagina threw up fruity pebbles. All right, we're in. I love your vagina the way it is, and I'm gonna do everything I can to make you feel fucking perfect, and you don't need fucking glitter. To enhance the experience, your vagina is your vagina, and that's it. That's all. That's all I fucking need. Goddamn. I. You know what? I drove a hundred miles and coming, thinking about your vagina, edging, and then went to a fly in J and ruined the place because I was excited about how perfect your vagina is. I didn't need glitter to complete the goddamn picture, ladies. Glitter and parsley. Who the fuck, man? Dude, get this. In this same article, they said women are rubbing Vicks Vapo Rub on their on their pussies because. It was, uh, it tingled and cleansed and, uh, it, and they said it masked odor. And I, again, I don't, there's no odor. There's no, there's no vaginal odor. There's nothing that you need to rub anything on to try to fix it or make it better. Please trust me. A podcaster you've listened to for 11 years, your vaginas are perfect. You don't, you don't need to rub and fix rub uh, That's... That's going to do a lot more than tingle your vagina because your vagina is a very sensitive area. Your vagina is very, I mean, I'll, I, look, I, I, I won't, again, I won't break down all the parts, but I mean, you know, and, and that's, that's a good way to fuck it up, baby, because I'll tell you what, take it from a guy who jerked off with minty scrub. The last fucking thing you want is intense mint on your fucking private parts because it will, and look, the scrub part probably didn't help. The fact that I'm jerking off with a handful of goddamn aquarium rocks, that's, that's not helping anybody. But at the same time, the mint then, because you lose the, you use the aquarium rocks, you're like, all right, this is fine, kind of, but then the, the mint kicks in because you're opening up this fuck. It's just you're causing problems for yourself you don't need. So you put Vicks Rub on your pussy. You're just going to fucking mint it the fuck up and uh, and it's going to burn. It's just going to fucking burn. It's going to leave you red. It's going to leave you raw. And then when you start using your Hitachi Magic Wand, it's going to really fire it up because there will be residual mint thing happening with the fucking vibrations. You just your fucking vagina might explode. Honestly, I'm going to say this. If you put Vicks Rub on your vagina and that's tingling minty and then you vibrate it with the fucking Hitachi Magic Wand, the whole thing might just open up like a corpse flower and we don't want that to fucking happen just fucking let it be beautiful don't put any minty fucking vix vapor rub i mean look i don't want vix vapor rub on my fucking chest i can't imagine getting a handful of it and going to work on my crank because again as i've mentioned before i was in intense i fucking jerked off with minty scrub as you know by your whatever the fuck and holy shit I i felt it for days fucking days and I like mint I like a minty face scrub and I like a minty shampoo but as far as I, but a minty lube fuck that no thank you not happening anymore ever again certainly tried it once and there's nothing wrong with trying it once I guess maybe there's something to be said for trying parsley and glitter bombs and Vicks VapoRub once but I'm here to tell you you don't have to don't do it because somebody told you to if you're curious put whatever, I don't, put whatever the fuck you want in your vagina a fucking eggplant a goddamn bike chain I don't give a fuck do whatever you want to do with it if you're curious if you think it'll work and make you happy and bring you pleasure do whatever because you own it that's yours Fucking, uh, and no patent pending. No fucking, no, ex, no exchange rates. You can't bring that back to the store. That's yours and it's yours forever. But don't fuck it up. That's my point. It's perfect. It's for you. And share it with whomever you want. And have fun with it and make it fucking happy. And if you want to put Vicks fable robot on it, I guess you can. But I'm here to tell you, you don't have to. Don't let and look. I'll tell you, I know you didn't wake up this morning and go, I hope Mike gives me a pep talk about my vagina and how perfect it is because I am. I'm telling you right now, your vagina is perfect. Do not do anything to it. Don't don't let anybody tell you there's odor to mask or it needs to be cleaner or any of this bullshit. Uh, It's just it's a self-cleaning organism and it's it's, I don't know if it's an organism. Don't fucking yell at me. I'm not a scientist, but it's a self-cleaning temple. It's brilliant. It's perfect. And I, I want to live in it forever. Your vaginas are all perfect. Stop. Stop. Same article that said people are using bath bombs as sex toys. They have these bath bombs that put they got put out shaped like an eggplant and one shaped like a peach and with a groove in it. And like women are using that to rub off and, and, and fucking jill off in the fucking tub. And good. Good for you if that you want to do that. But you don't. It will, dele, it will it will it will upset the delicate pH balance of your vagina. And we can't have that, folks. We, we need your delicate pH balance in your vagina to remain perfect. Because, again, as I've mentioned before, your vagina is perfect. Now, look, if you want to shove an eggplant shaped bath bomb into your goddamn vagina, feel free. But just know that you're running the risk. You're walking a real tightrope there. You are the Walenda of, of of pussy invasions at that point. You are the Carl Walenda of female masturbation if you put an eggplant-shaped sex toy Beth Bomb into your goddamn vagina because who knows what'll happen. It's a mystery. And your vagina is a mystery, but it's a perfect mystery, and goddamn, I want to solve it. And, and don't take this wrong. Don't take it personally. I'm not talking about all your vagina. I'm talking about vaginas and mass. I'm not talking about you specifically. All right, yes, you, even you. Um, They said, all right, and get this. Now, this is a thing that I didn't, I don't this this made no sense to me but it's true. Women women put yogurt soaked tampons in their in their vaginas because it's supposed to help with thrush or the possibility of disease. It's like the cultures in the yogurt will, will enhance the bacteria that I get, the good bacteria that you have in your body. I I don't literally, it made no sense to me. I read it and I, and I was, I was terrified. I, I, because again, I, you know, and look, I'm a guy who loves yogurt. I mean, I I, look, I'll pour yogurt on your vagina and eat it off, but you don't have to soak anything in it and jam it in there for fuck's sake. You want to go, Hey, you want, you want yogurt all over the outside of your vagina. I'll clean that up right away. But as far as jamming it in there, you don't need it. Again, if you want to do this for fun, if you look, hey, here's here's what I'm going to tell you. If you want to take a fucking eggplant shaped bath bomb and, and rub it up with Vicks VapoRub, Wrap parsley around it, sprinkle glitter on top, and then pour the whole thing uh, into a yogurt container and then dump it inside you. By all means, enjoy it. But you don't have to do these things because somebody said so. You don't have to do these things because somebody says, oh, yeah, you got to take care of your vagina. It's like when I read about, you know, when they did anal bleaching and they're talking about vaginal uh, tightening. It's like, fuck you, man. Who the fuck are you to tell anybody what's wrong with their body and what the fuck they need to get done? Now, look if you're somebody who wants to do something with your body, go ahead and do it. If you want cosmetic surgery, you want to fucking get your Botox. You want to get, I don't care if you want your pussy lips turned into goddamn butterfly wings. Go ahead and do that. That's fine. But you don't have to is my point. It's not, don't ever let yourself be convinced by, uh, and I hate this fucking word, <laughs> the patriarchy that anything is ever wrong with your vagina because there's nothing wrong with it. It's perfect. It's beautiful. And it isn't, an, it is everything that it should be. So don't, 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 Throw any parsley in there trying to cure a disease and don't fucking, you don't need a glitter bomb to jazz it up because your vagina, dude, your, your vagina is the main event. I mean, everything else is the opening act. Once once we get to the fucking headliner, I don't need any sort of enhancement. I don't need I don't need a little fucking you know. And look, you want to wax it? I'm I'm fucking on board because that's my thing. I'm a huge fan. Uh, but if you if you have a giant bush, whatever the fuck, if we're already that far, I'm not gonna yell at ya. If you got a fucking Hitler mustache, you got a fucking landing strip. If you got a heart down there, you ever see that? Look, that's a good look. If you hey look, if you want to fucking put if you want to if you want to cut your pussy hair into the letter M, so when I get down there, I'm like holy fuck, this is mine and I'm keeping it, motherfucker. Then go ahead and do that. That's totally fine if you're. I mean, if we're dating, don't I think I think that would be weird if we went out the first time and then I went down and had an M because I'm gonna ask some questions. Because at that point, there's no way it's still Mike. There's no way if you and I hook up for the first time ever and your pussy hair is shaved into a Mike, like an M, I I, I gotta feel if it says Mike down, that, that's different. Then it might be for me or a previous Mike. But if you've just got an M down there, there's gonna be a question because I'm gonna because I'm maybe like I said, mine or maybe you know what? Fuck that. If if there's an M in your pussy, you know what I'm gonna think it is motorboat, and I'm just gonna plunge my face in and just. Back the fuck off, baby! Uh, holy shit! All right, now everybody's horrified by this. I'm sure you're all thinking, "Man, go back to flesh blankets and rape talk." And I wouldn't blame you. Uh, <laughs> your, your vaginas are perfect. Don't and that should be the name of the show. Your vaginas are perfect. Don't don't do anything to them that you shouldn't do, or or do whatever. Have fun and do whatever you want to do, but don't do things that people think you, you need to have to do because they're fucking gorgeous and perfect the way they are and uh and i really felt like i needed to bring this message to you because i hi i i'm and again lily if lily was here she speaks for the vaginas she's the lilacs she would be here whispering this all day to you probably i would hope she would uh approve of the things that i said i don't know <laughs> i have no idea i don't know if anybody would approve of the things that i said for fuck's sake who fucking knows man it's cold we're all cold it's january i'm not cold it's 75 degrees here but it's cold by you and you're freezing and you're laying in a bed right now, like I said, wrapped in layers under fifteen blankets, and you don't know how to handle yourself, and you don't know what the fuck is going to happen and i and I can relate I can relate to you because I grew up in that weather i mean I grew up i told- as I've told this story many times before uh one time we had to push start a car outside in the weather, and I had had gloves on, but I took my gloves on uh, gloves off because I felt like I got a better push on the car because I didn't want my gloves to like slip and then when I put my hands on the car, my hands were sweaty from being inside gloves, and then I pushed the car and uh we got the car started, and then my hands were frozen to the back of the car. And uh, we actually had to get water to pour on my hands so I could take them off the trunk instead of like tearing them off because I didn't want the skin to stay on the fucking car. So, I mean, I put my hands wet hands on exposed metal. That's how fucking cold it was. It was like 28 degrees below zero with the wind chill and all that bullshit. And I understand it's doubly cold now. Like I heard it's like 49 degrees below zero. And I'm not even exaggerating. Normally i make a fucking joke. i like, what is it? 47 degrees below zero? Yes. Yeah, it is, baby and uh and you know me I'm, i I was born cold you know i and so i associate happiness with warmth and warmth with happiness now and i don't have any clothes like if i live if i was there now fuck i got no clothes that would battle that all my winter clothes were left at my ex's house and i never got those back so i don't know i'm wondering i wonder what happened to those i asked twice and then i was like oh eh, well this isn't gonna happen um but, but hopefully, you know, she's, she's dated another Chicago fan because it was a goddamn, uh, it, first of all, it was my awesome suede coat. And then it was a bulls hat and bears gloves and, and, a, and a couple of like a bears scarf. I think I had, I don't, had sorts of, like Chicago shit. And, uh, and I'm sure, well, she might've burned the fuck out of it. Who knows? But anyway, um, I don't have the clothes for that. And I found that out. You know, it's funny. I found that out. I, I wanted to talk about this last week and I didn't get the chance uh, because I got steered off talking to you guys about fucking Twitch and then uh, breaking up Loco doors. You know, a year ago at this time, I was in Japan. And and uh, and fuck, dudes, I miss it. I want, I want, to, I miss it so bad. You know, Ahmad is going back in April. And in my head, I want to go. I'm just like, fuck, I want to go. I want to go. I just, I don't think I can make it work and I don't know. And who the fuck knows? I mean, I, I, I would love to go back as soon as possible because goddamn that I love Japan and uh as a matter of fact you know when i i so last week i was going to talk to you guys about it because first of all we talk about it's it's i guess it's fortuitous that i waited because we talk about the cold and last last year in japan i i you know i went and i don't have any warm clothes like i said they were all they were lost in the purge of 2016 um and I'm not going to buy new coats and gloves and shit like that. I mean, I need a coat. Certainly, I do need a new coat. But but at the same time, I've, I've fluctuated weight-wise so much. I don't want to go buy a big coat and then I lose weight and that doesn't fit. And fuck, just, you know... I do that thing where I'm in a holding pattern where I'm like, all right, well, you know, I'll, I'll lose weight and then I'll buy clothes again. And, and, you know, I'm sorry, and I don't even want to, don't get me fucking started on how fucking angry I am at myself about that. I mean, I was down at a fucking awesome working weight. And, uh, and I even said, you know, I, dude, I got fucking size 38 jeans in a cabinet now. And I'm like, fuck, I'll, you know, at the time I was like, I'll never be so fat again, but I did hold on to fat jeans just in case. And thankfully, cause now I have two pairs of jeans I can fucking wear, but still man fucked up and 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 you know, in progress now, losing weight, done some cardio, whatever the fuck I'll cover that later and we'll talk about it of you know the join the Little Schmitty Attaboy Brigade uh Attaboy Fit Brigade on Facebook. I have not updated in quite a while, but I need to and will. Uh but I mean there's so much I got to do and I, it's so it's so dumb. I mean I just I need to get so much better at using my time. You know, I have, I've turned a corner here in January and I want to do things again. Monday's podcast days. So we're working on Monday. We're recording, which is fun. And then I'm twitching the rest of the days. It's that thing where I have to quit acting like when I finish twitching, my workday is done. I mean, I got so much other shit I got to do. And, and it's, you know, it's that easy thing to go ah, and walk away and sit down, man. And, and, and it's, it's a thing. It's a process. So I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of fixing it. So that and the fitness stuff, I'm still lifting. I lift three times a week. I got to work in the cardio, want to start cooking, all of that shit, but I'll cover that another time Uh, but I talk about not having any warm clothes we went to Japan last year and I packed I thought appropriately because when I went to Kuwait those two times you know it's fucking I went the one time in the summer it was 128 degrees so I mean fuck whatever I wore was going to be fine but then in January when I went uh, a couple years ago you know it was still 80 degrees so I'm still fine again whatever clothes I bring from California I looked I was fine Well, I didn't even check Japan's weather when I went. I wasn't even, I didn't know what the fuck it was because it's just Japan. I was just so excited to go. I guess I should have. And it wouldn't have mattered anyway because it's not like I had any warm clothes, but I brought some hoodies, Uh, (laughs) brought a couple of flannel shirts as I yawn. And, uh, and then I get to fucking Japan and it's look, it's not freezing when I get there. It's 45 degrees, but we're walking everywhere. So and, so, you know, I had a I had a couple pairs of jeans, but I also had shorts. So I was wearing shorts out in this cold weather. And it was just because in my brain, I was like, well, I'll brave this. And then it's just what are you doing, dummy? You know, it's because it's 50, 55. And I'm like, well, I can handle this in shorts. But it's mainly just because I will I will be honest with you. There was uh, the washing machine situation in Japan was so fucking ridiculous. By the way, I actually, while we were there, we went to a concert. I saw the washing machine sh- machine situation in Japan. They were fantastic. Um, My lip is fucked up. You know, I don't, I don't know. It's funny. I talk about how cold it is by you guys. I have like a, like my, it's dry here in California, even though it's warm, it's really dry. And I sleep with Carmex on. I told you that because look, I have to keep my lips very soft and kissable for all of you. <laughs> but, um, but I've got something going on, like on the right side of my mouth. And it's like, and it's so funny because I, I panic when that shit happens. Cause I don't, I've never, I'm you know 51. I I, I don't get, I was just talking to my trainer, John, about it. I'm like, I don't, cause I'm, I was very lucky. I avoided acne. Didn't, I never had acne. Um, I might've had, you know, a stray zit here or there, a pimple here or there, but, uh, and then I just put a hot compress on it. And it was gone, but I never had a patch. I never had anything I needed to fucking worry about. Even through high school, it was never an issue for me. Um, and I didn't get cold sores. Like I have friends who get painful cold sores in their on their mouth. Cold sores, cold sores. That's, that's, you eat too much coleslaw, cold sore on their mouth. And so. I'm always panicking like if it get like I've had remember when I had that throat thing and I had to go see a fucking eye ears, nose and throat. I saw two different doctors. I saw an ear, nose and throat guy. It was fucking crazy. I was all over the goddamn place trying to get shit done. And uh, and finally, the guy told me, he's just like, you're fine. It's nothing to worry about. You know, it's just it's it was and I walked out of there It was funny. I I, I, finally the ear, nose, throat guy, he fucking because I just had this sore throat and it wouldn't go away for fucking two months. Uh, and finally, when I went into him and he's like, you're fine. It's just, it's, it was a, whatever. It was some adjustment to the weather. I don't even remember what the fuck it was, but it was fine. Uh, but now I got like my, my lip is buzzing and I'm like, what the fuck is here? Am I going to get a cold sore from something? What the fuck am I going to get a cold sore from? Cause it's cold outside or warm or the fucking dryness, but my lips are dry. So even though I put the fucking lip balm on there, guys, this is a lot, is a lot of bullshit. Talk about lips and lip balm. Holy fuck. Move on. You know what I need to do? I need to put a glitter bomb and some Vicks VapoRub on my lips and jam some parsley into my fucking mouth. That'll fix the motherfucker <laughs> Shut up! Um, So I went to Japan with no warm clothes. We had an amazing trip, and like I said, I've been thinking about it a lot because it's been uh, two—it's been a full year since we were there. Literally, at this time last year uh, is when I left Japan, and I—you know—there's so much I didn't get to tell you guys. So I wanted to tell you guys about a couple of days that we spent when we were in Japan that I never really got to talk about. And I look at my phone, dude. I have so many photographs of Japan. I've got so much, so many memories stored that I never got to share with you guys. Uh, such as the time we went to the sumo tournament. Now I told you guys we were going to sumo. Uh, and then Ahmad and I, we, you know, he was, he was dead set on going. The other guys were kind of like on board. They're like, oh yeah, we'll go do that. And, um, you know, as Abdullah, Muhammad and, and Khalid, They were like, yeah, we'll go to, we'll go to sumo. But they weren't like me and me and Ahmad. We were crazy. Like we really wanted to go because I, you know me, I wanted to do traditional things. I wanted to see as much of Japan as I possibly could. I wanted history. I wanted to get, I wanted school and sumo to see sumo in tokyo i mean you got to be fucking kidding me we we got so lucky they you know they have sumo throughout the year but it's not a a full-time thing but they have the two major tournaments in january and i think in september and uh And so we went and we were there for it in January, the fucking, the grand national tournament. I'm like, holy fuck. And they don't let uh, Gaijin, they don't let out of of country people buy, they get first crack at the tickets. So they sell the tickets and it's a tournament that lasts two weeks. So there's sumo every day. And Ahmad was looking, we were looking for tickets and then finally he and I, we went out one day separate from the guys and we were, he's like, we got to go pick up the sumo tickets. So we went down, we had some ramen at Ipudo, I believe it was. We went walking, we took a train. I mean, we just, you know, we walked all over this. That was another thing I loved doing. And, and like I said, we were walking all over the place. I didn't have a lot of warm clothing, but I didn't give a fuck. We went down, we were. We went up at Corican Hall. We went up at Tokyo Dome. We, you know, Ahmad and I explored as much of the city as we possibly could. We took trains, we walked, um... And I loved it. I just, I just loved being with my friend and learning and seeing great things. And it was fantastic. It was so great. So we bought the sumo tickets. We had to go to a fucking ticket agency because again, they wouldn't do it over the phone for somebody that wasn't from Japan. So we had to go to this, And it was so funny. This place was just this nondescript. It was, it was an office building and we had to go up to like the 15th floor and just sit there. And then a woman came out and sold them tickets. It was so strange. Like you can't just push a button because there were ticket kiosks at all of the convenience stores that we went to, but they just, they wouldn't allow us to buy sumo tickets. So we finally had to go physically buy them. Sumo tournament came up and we woke up that morning and we had to go. We went in the morning cause it started at 8am. It went from 8am to 6 o'clock PM every day and getting the dudes up and getting out the door before 8am was not going to happen. But we figured, you know, we get a full day in there. That's fine. So we, we split the, the Airbnb. We went out walking and it's me, Abdullah, Ahmad, Khalid, and Muhammad, and, uh, we decided to walk and, and that was not, you know, that's my, I, you know, me, I'm, I'm like, oh, maybe there's a cab we can take. Cause I didn't know how far it was, but I mean, fuck that. I, I was on board to do whatever the guys wanted to do. And the guys were like, fuck this, we're walking. And when the, no, that, no, that sounds aggressive. They weren't like, fuck this, we're walking. They're like, hey, cause to them, they're just like, Hey, let's walk. My default is not walk. <laughs> that's the thing. And that's one of the problems why I just told you about the fucking fit brigade forever. My default is not walking anywhere, but with the guys, I'm like, all right, cool. So we walked to sumo hall. And it was about, you know, I, I think it was about a three mile walk to get to the place. Uh, and it was and it was cold and it was morning and I didn't have the proper clothing as far as I was concerned, but I still did it. I didn't fucking care because I was involved and I wanted to hang out with the guys. And uh, and also uh, the previous day that uh, from Sumo, I think I told you it snowed in, in Tokyo. I said it was like 40, 55, 45 dudes. It got down to fucking 30 degrees and snow stuck. I mean, we got probably, I think, five or six inches of snow. And I have great photos of that. I haven't put those up, but I have fucking, I have this badass photo of me with like a fucking Japanese uh, altar behind me, not an altar, like an archway. Oh my God. It's fucking cool. could be an altar. If you want to pray there at the snow, I don't know how you down to your business. Um, but then the next morning we got up and it was still really cold and slushy uh, and there was snow all over the ground, but I mean, we didn't fucking care. I mean, and by we I mean, they, and I said, all right, I'm, I'm in it because I'm going to go with my friends. So we walked uh, outside and, and we got to, uh, like I said, it was about four miles. We get to Sumo Hall. And it was great. As we got closer, I, I fully expected it to be crazy and buzzing with a ton of people, but it wasn't. It wasn't like, it didn't seem like there was a whole lot of activity, but getting to Sumo Hall was enough. I filmed a thing outside of it. Like a, I know I filmed a clip and and I never posted it because I'm a genius, but, um, or maybe I did post it. I have no fucking clue. I have, I have all these things on my phone, but I, I, I we panned around outside. There were, uh, there were people selling programs, which was really fun for the, you know, to see who was involved in the, in the Sumo. And uh, they had, they had these large cutouts. Of sumo wrestlers, so I actually posed with them. <laughs> I said, "Dude, film me." Ahmad's like, "What do you mean?" I go, "Just trust me, film me." Um, and and so he, there were three large, giant, life-size sumo guys, and he filmed one, pan down, filmed the other, pan down, filmed the other, and then he filmed me just standing there in a fucking sumo pose. And I po- I know I posted that, and I was just like, "Saw you know, the lineup today." <laughs> um, but as we're walking around, I started to notice that that you know, like I said, there wasn't a lot of activity, but there were a lot of it was a lot of older. Japanese people, a lot of I don't want to say senior citizens, but certainly older, uh not the young people we had seen in Harajuku and stuff like that these were these were adults, these were my age, people my age fifty and above, and that's who was outside lurking and uh, and, and we get inside, and the place is fairly empty you know we go in we got there about eleven o'clock, it started at eight um and we went and found our seats you know and, and uh you know it's it's well but actually before we even found our seats, we were walking around and just the fucking history. And tradition of this building we walked and they had they had a, a trophy case with a bunch of different sumo trophies from years gone by and there you know it was funny there were some sponsored by a soft drink company then there was some I mean it was like when I went to Corican Hall and they had photos from the 60s of fights on, on the wall and the sumo tradition of of grand champions and Yokozuna's had won previously in these trophy cases and uh, stuff dating back you know to, to the 1950s it was just gorgeous we walked around and I mean, I just, I just wanted to look at the building, you know, even, even without going to the sumo, I wanted to walk around and look at the building. Cause I, I loved it there. And like I said, they're going back in April and I don't know if I'm, I'm going in April. I have no idea if I can make it work. Uh, and also, I haven't been invited. I should go ahead and throw, you, throw that out at you. <laughs> I just know they're going. Um, but anyway, the, the uh, I don't want to insinuate myself. Look at me, what a dick I am. Um, he's going with a buddy from work, so why the fuck would that happen? Anyway, who cares? The point is they I, I walked around, and I never know if I'll get back there. Like, I fully plan on it in my lifetime, but I don't know if I'll go back. So I wanted to soak up every corner of Sumo Hall. So we walked around. We looked at all the displays. We saw there were tapestries on the wall. There were murals. Paintings of uh, of champions from from the past, and I've you know I've got pictures, I've filmed as much as I could, and and then finally you know all the guys we went and we found our seats, and uh, there was nobody there. I mean the the place was probably one tenth full. I don't know what it holds, but we were there so early, and it was so we, I realized that it was the younger. Uh, sumo people, as we got the, we, you know, we wound up getting the programs and me and Amman were looking at them. And I will tell you this Khalid, uh, Khalid, Muhammad and Abdullah, Abdullah. they, they, uh, they went because they were like, okay, sumo might be a fun thing. They, they were done in an hour. Like literally after an hour of watching matches, they were just like, yeah, this is all right. This is OK. And, you know, because they're young people who want more stimulus. They want more stuff. Ahmad is more of an old soul like me, I think. Uh, and I'm not an old soul. I'm just old. <laughs> but he's an older soul. And also he loves wrestling and he loves that kind of thing. And Khaled loves MMA and he loves wrestling, too. But it just wasn't for him. man. And, and, and so the three of them, they took a walk around the building and, and Ahmad and I sat there and we watched more sumo. And uh, and it was the younger. This is the thing. It's the young sumo fighters. And uh, they're the undercard. So we started looking for names and he and I started to pick winners. He's like, who are you going with? I'm uh, I'm going to go with, you know, the fat guy. Or I'm going to go with the top knot guy or I'm going to go with. And then we started to look at their names in the program. And I go, I'm taking this guy. And and uh, and people would cheer, but not really over crazy. You know, it wasn't it wasn't there wasn't electricity in the air. It was just like a lot of people. And again, as I mentioned, when I got inside there, there were so many older Japanese people. And Ahmad and I were taking the scene in. And then uh, an, a group of older Japanese people came up to our section. And I was like, oh, maybe we'll talk to these people. And then they walked right up to us. And uh, it was a younger couple and then an older couple and then a child. And I said, hi. And they're like, these are our seats. <laughs> and it turned out Ahmad and I, because we had tickets, we we didn't know. The tickets were weird. There. like It said seat numbers but it, and row numbers, but it didn't say the section. And it turned out we were on the opposite side, which we, we actually had even better seats than the one that we were sitting in. So they were very nice and polite and we got up and we went and found our new seats. Then we had to text the guys and tell them where we were sitting. Uh, but that didn't matter because the guys were like, well, we're going to take off. So they they got about an hour of sumo in and they were happy to go ahead and bail. But Ahmad and I were fucking fascinated by it. We loved it. And and as the day went on, more and more people were arriving and and also like i said there were really older people there during the during the, and also that you know that we were in the seats up top in in the in the up top of sumo hall but down below there were these I guess what would be the equivalent of luxury boxes, you you didn't have chairs, you sat on the floor and there were pillows and you, you got to sit in these boxes around where the, you know, the larger sumo area was. And there were certainly chairs, but then there were these places where people could sprawl and recline and older people would go down there. And there was food. We went and got sushi there, of course, because what the fuck, why not? We actually went and walked, this is beautiful. We walked through the fucking hallway and you know me, I'm a fucking goof. And there was a mascot and he was like a big, He was just a big yellow fucking dude. It was like it was like if a goldfish cracker was a giant guy or or a goldfish or a, a tweety bird, whatever the fuck. But he was in a sumo. You know, the whole outfit also had a sumo diaper. So I walk up to him, and you know me—I always ask mascots to beat me up because I think it's fucking hilarious. I, you know, I have photos from a hockey game of me in a hockey fight with a mascot. I don't think I've ever put those up. When I was with Jill once, we went to a hockey game, and I—I t- I told the hockey guy I, the the mascot, I'm like, dude, do me a favor, just grab me like we're in a fight, and he did. He was fucking into it. So uh, in Japan, I go up to the fucking mascot, and I and I I go, hey, uh, you know, can can we do this where like you're you're sumoing me? Because I don't know what the fuck to say. What like what else am I gonna do? And um he's a Japanese guy in the fucking suit. Like he has no idea what the fuck I'm saying. So I'm like, no, can you? And I look at the little eye, you know, you can see through the eye and there's a head in there. And I'm like, can you, can you choke me? (laughs) And he's, he's looking at me like, I don't, he doesn't understand what I'm saying. And then I put my hands on my neck, like choke, like, like a fight. Can you fight me? And, uh, and again, he inside there because I've been inside that suit. You can't, fucking there's no expressions. I can't see your fucking face, but all you can do is like shrug and make a face and kind of pretend. When I was a fucking cantaloupe, I did the same goddamn thing. So I instead I just settled. I was like, all right, I held him in place. I was like, don't go anywhere. Like I grabbed him and I, I got down in a sumo position as if I were fighting him. And I like, I, 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 so I took a photo of it. I had a mod take a photo of it. And all I look like, I look like I'm trying to shove this guy off of a cliff and he's just got this happy go lucky goldfish cracker sumo face, like wee, because you can't. See Inside there, but he wouldn't fight me. He wouldn't grab me. I'm like, God damn it! But that's fine. I got so I got me about to shove him off a goddamn cliff. Um, but then again, we walked. Like you said, we walked to Lover Sumo Hall. They had fucking sushi. They had fucking sashimi. They had uh, they had a uh, uh, katsu there for sale. Because I, I what was it? No, what was it? Uh Ahmad got because I I wound up getting sushi, but Ahmad got something else. That uh, oh, a bento bowl. He got a bento lunch. You know, like a box lunch. And then we went back and sat. And he and I just we were there the whole day. We fucking we were there for seven hours, like picking winners, looking at looking at lists, soaking up tradition, and and the place filled up. This was great. As I mentioned early on, there was a ton of older Japanese people. Well then younger people started to show up. And then the, the, the seats really started to get crowded. And then by the time it got to be three o'clock, 3. 30, 4 o'clock, the place filled up. And now it's filled up with people who know the names of the fighters. So we, you know, that's the deal is we, we had the, the list, so we don't know anybody. We're just picking guys blind and it's all these young dudes. But then the later in the day, that's when the fucking headliners, that's when the guys that people know that are actually in the sumo league, actual fighters. And there can be dudes who are like one in six. Because it had their record two and seven or guys that are like nine and oh in the tournament shit like that. And they would say what they had done the previous day on the sheet. And and we so we had, to, you know, Ahmad is looking on the Internet, too, to see who had lost and who had won and who was what ranking guys were. It was dude. It was so fun. It was fantastic. Because, again, Ahmad was really into it. Like if we're just there and you're just like, whatever, you know, like because I understand why Khalid and, and Muhammad and Abdullah bail because it wasn't for them. But Ahmad is just like me. Like he wants the minutia. He wants to fucking get involved. He wants to know who's fighting and why and who they are. And if there's, you know, the, the, the leagues and the, the records and goddamn, it was fantastic. So he's looking up on the internet who had lost the previous day and who had fought the previous day. And, uh, and also dude, the action itself, you know, I, I have videos. I took, I videoed every match that we saw do that. You have no idea. Cause everybody makes fun of sumo. All right. Big fat guys in diapers, whatever the fuck you want to call it. That big thong, whatever. But, dude, that thing they're fighting on. They're on a raised pedestal. And all around there in the front row, there's judges. And they, these, this is this wise council of sumo judges. So they have to rule whenever there's any sort of question mark or any sort of possibility that somebody violated a rule or stepped out of bounds or any any question at all. These guys in this ceremonial garb would put their heads together and and have a, a real, true discussion. It was almost like, you know, in the NFL, they go into that little hood and they fucking look at the replay. Well, these these dudes were just like the fucking... The, the, they were deciding whether, <laughs> whenever they would meet, it looked like they were deciding whether to send one of the sumo wrestlers into the phantom zone. Does that make sense? They were just these very official looking guys in this official garb and they would get together to talk and decide. And, and, uh, and then they'd have to give a decision sometimes and, and talk about, well, we did this but, and they didn't talk on the microphone, but there was a, there was a, you know, an announcer and then they would do these uh, ceremonial, uh, oh my God, the ceremony, I can't, the pageant, and the, the pageantry in the ceremony, all the fighters would come out in, you know, full garb. And, uh, and they would march in a circle and then they would surround everybody in the square and then there were advertisers that would march out with these advertising banners periodically in between fights and there was gamesmanship too dudes like the sumo dudes would get in the ring and they'd face one another they'd get into the position where they were going to smash into one another and a guy would walk away and the, and the crowd would go oh like because they recognized what it was and again we were learning the nuances as it went along and dudes would grab that salt and throw it over, because that was for luck they'd throw it over their shoulders or whatever they'd also rub it into their fucking hands and there was powder and they would come to the center and these two dudes would just stare at each other and you'd see dudes you would have big gigantic fat dudes and then dudes who were just big and in your mind, you're just like, well, this big guy is going to crush the fuck out of him. Well, no man, technique is so big. Footwork is so important. And also being able to dodge and duck and speed, speed really in sumo. Cause these big guys are moving fucking crazy fast. And so a little guy, you would think, well, he can outspeed him. He can do it. No fucking. These big dudes are like lightning half the fucking time. And they would get into this battle and you're trying to get them to step out of the ring. That's the whole point. It's just this, it is truly, we always talk about boxing is, is the purest sport. It's just, who's tougher. Me or you, I'll keep punching the face. You keep punching me in the face. We'll see what happens. And, uh, and there's, there's, I won't argue that, but the sumo version of that is, is almost even more basic. It's just, who's more powerful, me or you and technique certainly plays a part in it and speed and all of those different things. But also it's, it's, it's all of it combined, but power is what sumo is about. And because and, they collide, like fucking... It's like, you know, boxing, there's finesse. You're dancing, you're moving around and things like that. But also there's brutality in the punching. Sumo, same thing. Technique, speed. But it it always starts with a clash. As if, as if it's in the wild. As if two wild fucking animals are going to butt heads or smash into one another. It is just two guys going fucking face-to-face. And they're going to bury each other fucking chest-to-chest, face-to-face. And then the technique starts. And then... Because again, you could... You could let a guy, if a guy fired off, you could step to the side and let him run off the fucking thing if you want to. But that, come on, that's not true art. That's not, that's not honorable. You must take the initial blow. And then what happens after that? Well, then you fucking make it work with your technique, with your power, with your speed. But the initial clash, there's, there's, even in boxing, I would say there's nothing more primal than the initial clash in sumo because you are just fucking head up staring and then you just fucking go and you run face first into one another. God damn it. Chest first. And you just grab and you look for purchase and you try to steer the guy to the outside of the thing. But also you're trying to make sure that he doesn't move you. You're trying to make sure he doesn't grab you in the wrong way and fucking shift your weight because it's, it's chess. It's just, you know what it is? It's cellulite chess. That's, that's what I would call fucking sumo cellulite chess. It was just two dudes trying to figure out what is what and where they're going and how they're going to make it work, banging into one another like fucking rams. It is it is right out of the goddamn wild. And uh, and the big guy doesn't always win. Little guys can get fucking powerful if their legs get, if they get enough, if they get underneath the guy, because it's all leverage. It's all fucking, there's such technique involved. People, that's what's frustrating, man. You know, people see it. They make fun of it. They make fun of the top knots. They make fun of the fucking outfits. But Ahmad and I, it, over the course of seven hours, we, I felt Look, and look, I will say Ahmad grasped it a lot better than I did because Ahmad to this day still watches sumo. Ahmad follows them; he knows their names, he checks their record. He turned me on onto Whenever I talk to him. He's like, "You should check it out," and then I'll go check it out, and I get sucked into a fucking YouTube hole where I am looking for guys. But he knows that guys have been injured, and then they're coming back, and he knows that guys have been, you know, disciplined by their their dojo or whatever the, by their their sumo house. And he know he knows all the gossip; he knows all of that stuff. And I I think it's fascinating. I mean, I I, I don't n- disappear nearly enough as much as I should. But a mod man, he just eats it up. And that's what we did. we loved it. We just fucking we loved it from the beginning to the goddamn end. And there and the place filled up with people. In the beginning, like I said, it was very polite Japanese society. They're not screaming, they're not yelling. You know, they 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 have coordinated cheers at baseball games, things like that. But it's also it's a very polite society, as you know. I've talked about that before. But boy, oh boy. Once the sumo started kicking in and the place filled up, this is my favorite part. There were sections, full sections that would root for certain sumo wrestlers. So a guy would walk out and his whole section would start going crazy and they would hold up banners and start chanting his name. And they, you know, they were the, they'd be the only ones in the fucking building that were going crazy for the guy when he walked out, but he knew that he had his fans there. And the more important, the better fighter you were, obviously you'd have more fans throughout the arena, but sometimes there was just a guy who had five fans. Now it could have been family, could have been whatever, or it could have been like me and Ahmad. We're like, we love this fucking guy. This guy's our guy. <laughs> we want this dude to win because we would do that. You know, it's like I, when I went to baseball and you'd find some, like when I go to minor league games in, in, in March, when I go back to spring training, you always find some rookie and you're like, I love this dude. Last year it was Yasmeel Balagart. We're like fucking Balagart, man. That's the guy. And he became our guy. Well, with sumo, we were just—you were—you attach yourself to a fighter, and you fucking just—you rooted, and you lo- God, I loved it. I loved it so much. We had such fun, and the people chanting, and then then the excitement too. Like I said, when there was young fighters going, eh, people were kind of into it. Uh, the young, the, the, you know, a lot of polite clapping from the elderly Japanese people. But then when the young people came in, they're chanting, they're rolling up banners and they're screaming and yelling as the guys are lining up there, you know, they'd have this respectful silence, but then they'd, when the guy would walk away, they'd, Ooh, and they, cause they knew the gamesmanship. And then when the collision happened, you'd hear the smack of two guys smacking directly into one another, just fucking banging as hard as they possibly could chest, to fucking chest, head to head, shoulder to shoulder. And the place you could feel it. You almost felt it. I almost It reverberated through the building like a sound wave because they would hit and be like, smash! And then it would just be this almost this, this fucking wave that would go all over the crowd and people would start going crazy and cheering and yelling and you'd be fighting and screaming. And, and dude, those guys would not fuck around. Sometimes dudes would get thrown on their ass. One guy, I mean, it happened a lot. Guys would fall because you're, you're trying to get a guy to step out of the ring. Well, sumo can be inherently violent. You know, you're fucking smacking guys in the head and trying to grab them and maneuver them and push them and stuff. And when you fall off that thing, you know, if you look at the raised platform, I'll put up photos or I'll put up videos. That's cement. People think they're fighting in sand or whatever. Dude, it's the think about this. If you had nothing on, you had nothing on, but like a thong and you had to wrestle somebody on fucking cement barefoot. And then you, the whole goal was to push them off this basically what looks like a two foot high, three foot high platform onto the floor. That's some dangerous shit. And you're not wearing any fucking clothes, to cushion, the blow. Holy fuck, man. It is, there's injuries guys. You know, you got to figure guys breaking toes, breaking fingers and fucking getting all scraped up. And Ahmad tells me all the time about these injuries and then we so then finally the the last match of the night a guy came out and he was uh we got to see a yokozuna fight and i think there's only 9 in the world right now and and i think there's and none of them are japanese they're all, they're all uh they're all from like kind of russia the russian area and i don't want to say because i don't want to say mongolia i don't know that that fucking exists anymore but they're they're these uh they're not Japanese but they come to study sumo in Japan and uh you know they, they are yokozunas and they get all the respect but they're also not they're not nationals so it's it's a different time now for sumo because as i mentioned you know the older people it's more of an older persons tradition it's more of an older persons sport and even though there were younger people who filled up the building later um you can clearly see that it's it's a traditional sport that may or may not be around. I mean it's always going to be around, but it's 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 not young people are not like flocking to it, I guess is what you would say. And it's and it's uh there it will always have its its supporters, but I felt very lucky to go to a sumo tournament because it feels like something that might not be around for a, a like it, certainly for a, a a really long time. Well fuck that. Bullshit. Sumo's been around fucking forever. I'm who am I trying to be pointed here? Fuck you. Sumo will be around forever. It just felt like there was a real passing of the torch that these older people were there and that's the people who loved it. And the young people who showed up actually were on board with it and kind of yelling and screaming for their guys, but it wasn't nearly as many young people as it should have been. So it felt like there could be a possibility where sumo uh wasn't going to be embraced by a younger generation, but fuck that. It will always be there. And also it was important for me to be there and see a Yokozuna and say I was in that building because that fucking tradition goes back fucking forever. How old is sumo? It's like when I saw the Samurai Museum and I learned all about Japan and I learned about them defending their borders with samurai. That was fucking incredible. And then we showed up with guns and fucking ruined everything. Then came the white dogs. <laughs> Those big and empty heads wouldn't see past the billfold. They told the samurai they were going to shoot them. Fucking dicks. Um, but we had the best time. I mean, the sumo was fantastic. And he and I bailed. You know, it's dark. We go outside and we're walking in the fucking cold. And, and I didn't care. I mean, we just, we walked home after that. And, and, uh, and the thing is we, he and I, uh, you know, Amon and I, we, we made plans with the guys. We did a bunch of stuff. We went up in electric city a bunch of times, uh, and there was filth there. I've told you all about that, but, but this two days was really special because we did sumo. We were doing, this was, this was a very jet, Jap, the Japan heavy two days. Uh, it wasn't like tourism. It wasn't, it was, it was tradition. And so we did the sumo thing, and then he and I, because uh, uh, I had been on him. I'm like, this is one thing I'd really like to do while I'm in town. And Ahmad's like, yes, me too, absolutely. We were just trying to find time to do it, and then we made time to do it the day after sumo. Because sumo, like I said, we left about, it ran at about 6.30, and we walked home when we got there. And we actually stayed in that night. We didn't do anything. We ate. We fucking hung out. Now, we might have got ramen that night, but we just we just hung out in the building because we knew he and I had to be up, uh, we had to be up at 1 a.m., because we were going to the Tsukiji fish market the next day, which was uh, that was that was the main you know sumo and Tsukiji. Those were the two things I wanted to do, um, and so I I, I just. And, I, and it just so happened that we were able to do it within the two days together. And and so he was on board. He was like, yeah, the other guys are like, yeah, what's your, you're saying we got to get up at one in the morning and then go to a fish market. Yeah, that's probably not going to happen. And I totally understood that. That made sense. But, um, but for me, it was all about tradition in Japan. And that was the thing I really needed to do again, being as much as I love sushi. I, I just, I had to go. And I also knew I probably wasn't going to wake up that early. Uh, so guess what I did? I didn't go to bed. <laughs> that's all I handled it. Uh, because you know, we were up late at the Airbnb, they're playing tech and seven. I'm having fun, eating fucking Japanese snacks. And I'm like, what am I going to do? Get an hour of sleep. Ahmad did. Ahmad got a a little bit of sleep, but I I was not. Uh, I think i might have even recorded a podcast that night. I don't remember. Don't fuck. Did I talk about sumo already? Oh my God. What if this whole thing's invalidated? Um, (laughs) now that I think about it, maybe I did. Uh, I, I got to pay attention to what I do with my life. Um, so I didn't go to bed. I stayed up. And I you know I was able to rouse the mod we got out of there and and I look we're not walking Sakiji was was uh it was a little farther away than, than sumo hall I think I, it might not have even been far away, but I know at fucking two in the morning I'm not walking anymore so it was one thirty we went outside and we actually got a cab and uh and 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 this cab ride look man cabs in Japan as I've mentioned before, they're in a suit and tie every fucking cab drivers wearing a suit and tie, which is fantastic, but also they're in the wrong seat. Like the the steering wheel, they're 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 like a fucking old spy movie. They're they're steering wheels on the passenger side. They're driving on the wrong side of the roads. So when you're driving with them, it's just fucking bananas because they're taking this weird any any left turn is weird as fuck. Cause then I'm in the death seat which makes no sense and I can't figure out where people are coming from or where they're goddamn going. And the whole thing turns into a Benny Hill sketch. I actually filmed in the cab. Like a mod's in the back seat, I'm in the front, and I'm just like, whoa, whoa, dude, what? I mean it, it just it just felt so strange and odd. And I can't imagine what it is like for people who come from there over to here, because again, we're such a fucking animal traffic culture anyway. And then it's all they're like, well, Jesus, these guys are on the side of the road. and They drive like fucking maniacs. And this car is built all fucking weird. Well, that's how I felt in Japan, man. But at least we had this fucking impeccably dressed Johnny Cab looking fucking dude. And he was an old dude, man. And and and, uh, you know, we paid him in cash, gave him some yen. That's how we handled it. Uh, I got to stop saying that's how we handled it. Why is that stuck in my fucking brain? We got there. Uh, we had to get there early because here's the reason we had to get there so early. They the tours are at five a.m. But there's a waiting line, and they cut it off. So if you, they only take a certain amount of people, man. So we, uh, we we I said, look, we're going early. I wanted to get there as fucking early as we possibly could. So we wound up taking the cab. We got there at two thirty. And then we had to walk from, because he can't, he can't bring us into the fish market. He has to drop us on the outside. And we walked up the pier and we took a couple of turns and we went up, there was a building and there was a couple of people already in there waiting, but it wasn't nearly as busy as I thought it would be. We finally got into the building and got settled at 245. And, uh, and there was a holding pen and we sat there and there were people from all over the world. That was the kind of coolest part. There were some, there were some Norwegians there. There were people from Sweden. There were people from Europe. There were people from America, some people from Canada. And all of all of them, there just excited to go see the fish market. And I will tell you this. They don't make it comfortable for you. They do not fucking care if you're comfortable. It was a, you know, because it's freezing cold there, as I mentioned. Now, think about it. I've already told you it's like 50, 45, 40, 35. And there's snow on the goddamn ground. Well, now we're sitting in a room with no chairs. No fucking chairs. They have a sit on the floor and it's an open air deal. There's, there's, you know, because they want people to know where it is. So they keep the doors open. So there's this fucking draft and you're on the goddamn floor sitting there. And look, you could stand up if you want to, but I'm not going to stand up for two fucking hours. So we wind up all of us just kind of sitting on the ground. And now a part of me wants to huddle with people for warmth. Hey, Norwegians. I mean, they're all used to it too. These fucking Norwegians and Canadians, they're used to this kind of weather. Not anymore, man. My blood is thin, baby. So me and Amad are sitting on the floor and then there's, we're surrounded by Norwegians and like I said, Scandinavian people. They're just, uh, they're all waiting. And it's about two forty five in the morning and we're sitting there and then uh there's a man sitting silently at the head of the room. Three o'clock in the morning he stands up and he comes out to give us a speech. He, he greets us. His name was mister Mitter Mitter? His name was Mr. Satanore. Uh Satanari? I think it was Satanari. And he came to talk to us and he worked at the fish market and he'd been there for over 30 years and he wasn't just a, a tour guy i mean he was a fishmonger he he handled fish he knew all of the people all of the dealers he was involved in the auction he was he was a guy who knew everything there was to know about the tsukiji fish market so he was perfect for this job and the best part about him is he was very self-effacing you could tell he wasn't he wasn't performing he was even a little shy personally But, uh, but he, he was a guy who stood up in front of us and then just handled questions. He explained the history of the fish market. He explained everything that was, uh, that we were going to be seeing and how we had to be safe and how we had to be, go ahead and stay out of the way. You know, he, he had a very fatherly tone and I I really dug that. Like I said, he wasn't like a drill sergeant who was ordering us what to do. He understood we were from all over the world. And, uh, and he wanted to ask questions and he wanted to answer questions as well. And he wanted to make sure we knew what we were getting into. Uh, so that's Mr. Satinari. Now, I will tell you this. There's another gentleman there who, uh, as reserved as Mr. Satinari was, as composed, as fatherly as Mr. Satinari was, there was another guy there. This is a guy, No, I, I'm, uh, his name was Mr. Hirakuni. And he was a huckster is the only way I could put it. This this was a guy who knew it was showtime and he was ready for his close-up. So Mr. Sadanari, it was it was just they did this whole uh, good cop bad cop routine where Mr. Sadanari would uh, would quietly answer questions, he would address any any topic and he was very genial and and he would chuckle He had a, a welcoming smile, just a nice man. He was middle-aged, you know, probably my age. And uh, but Mr. Hirakuni Was all bundled up in like a fucking trench coat and a scarf, and he had a fucking he had like a mobster hat on. He he looked like the guy you would cast in a a fucking Japanese uh, mob movie, a Yakuza movie, as one of the kind of the the huckster go betweens who was trying to make deals all the time, and he kept. He had a pattern, man, that he was going down and he's just, he would, every country would have some question about it in the time zone and how, what the weather was like and oh, you're not used to this and oh, you Americans and you're not used to sitting on the floor and, and oh, when you're here, by the way, don't forget, he kept telling us, this is another thing. He was clearly employed by the fish market because Mr. Hirokuni kept telling us to make sure we ate at the fish market, kept telling us, you know, don't go to any of these chain coffee shops that you see. Make sure you 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 go ahead and support the businesses here in the market because we have the, the freshest fish. You know, the Japanese, they get the first crack at the fish. So if you go and leave the market, you will find these, these buildings Then they don't have the freshest fish you can enjoy. They don't have the best things you can eat. And you must have sushi. You must have fish here at the fish market. And also there are coffee houses here. Do not leave premises for coffee. You must have the coffee that is here. I mean, he was, he was making sure we spent every fucking dime right there at the Sakiji fish market and didn't wander off premises. Don't go anywhere but the fish market to spend your money, which makes sense. I mean, you know, they're, they're allowing us to go ahead and take a look behind the scenes. You should honor them and go ahead and spend in your cash there for fuck's sake. Um, but then they open the floor for questions and Mr. Sadanari is a polite gentleman. He's answering questions from people and Mr. Hirakuni is jumping in whenever he can. And it's just, it's just, look, Everything is ruined by the general public. We know this. Don't don't open the floor for. Don't talk to people from Scandinavia and see what they think about Japan. There were, of course, there's people who would ask questions about uh, sustainability and and you know fishing too much. And then people are talking about dolphins and whales and are we worried that we're going to run out of fish? and Are we overfishing? And I'm like, dude, what are you? Are you you're here. Literally to see tuna get cut into pieces. How the fuck are you going to be, Mr. Concern, for the fucking fish and the overfishing and the and 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 Mr. Sadanari was unalteringly polite. I mean, he he was just so he answered every question. He did it very nicely, but at the same time, you could see. Even Mr. Hirokuni, was just, he would he would jump in and give some song and dance bullshit about well you know you don't know what you don't understand is you know Japanese people this has been our our uh, for years and decades and centuries in our blood and this is what we do is we fish and he would try to spin it in in that light but Mr. Suninari would answer things with a uh, with a pleasant face but but. Don't ask fucking questions about overfishing and sustainability and farming. And I mean, nobody gives a shit about that. Go take your agenda somewhere else. I'm here to see some fucking fish get chopped up. That's it. I want to see. I want to see shit get turned into poke. That's why I'm here. I want to see a fish get its head sawn off. And I want to see guys with grappling hooks bidding on goddamn giant fish. Who the fuck do you think you are? You come in here and fucking well, and here's the best part. They would ask him questions about the conditions of tuna or or the, uh, the overfishing and the fishermen and how they handle their business. And Mr. Sadanari would patiently listen and he would answer their question and they go, well, that's incorrect because I heard I went to a website. Fuck you. You went to a website, you motherfucker. You're in Japan talking to a dude who doesn't need to be talking to you, quite frankly. And he's here in front of you. He's worked here for 35 years. He knows all of the mongers. He knows all of the inside, the out, the back and the forth. He knows everything there is to know about fishing. And certainly he's got to put on a brave face when asked these kinds of questions but if you ask him two three fucking times you start uh, aggressively disagreeing with him then get the fuck out why did you wake up or not sleep at 1 in the fucking morning take a cab out here with a guy in a fucking tie and walk in here to cause a fucking weird problem in front of people who are just here as tourists to see what the fuck is going on you know that's it's like going to fucking uh auschwitz and and getting in there and then asking a bunch of pointed questions about why they didn't stop this from happening i mean jesus fucking christ there's, there's this is not the time uh, and and you know what they were they were poli- exceedingly polite and they answered the questions. Mr. Sadanari Mr. Harakuni put on a fucking tap dance. He did his thing. And like I said though, I saw I was I kept looking at him out. I'm like this fucking guy. This this dude is just gonna like you watch your wallet around this cat. You know you could just tell that he had that fucking Showman's Barker ap- attitude, and he was gonna get your money one way or the other because he's like yeah, plenty of restaurants, but my particular favorite. And he's telling you where to go and what to do. And it just he he was definitely in your pocket. He was trying to live there. And, uh, and we sat on the floor and we shivered in the cold and we listened to people ask dumb questions. And we watched two gentlemen with two completely different approaches, answer those questions. And, and man, did I, I just, I looked at a I go, I love this guy, Mr. Sadanari," Because again, he was just, he was very classy and dignified. And I, I appreciated that. And again, very fatherly, very genial. So we sat there for two hours, two and a half hours you know, finally it was, it was five 15, I believe it was five o'clock. And we thought we were going in at five and it got to be a little bit later. It was like 5:05, 5:10, And they're like, all right, everybody light up. There's two different groups. You're the A group, the B group we will bring you in and uh, you observe. And we're going to bring you to this. You, they're like, don't touch anything. Don't wander away from the tour because you can get hurt here. And uh, because it's pitch black and there are people working, this is not an amusement park. You know, again, Mr. Sadanari made it very clear. This is not an amusement park. Uh, and it's a privilege for you to be able to go in and observe this. Like the Japanese and the fish market certainly understood the appeal of letting people to go in to look, because uh, you know you got to buy tickets to go ahead and check out the fish market, the tour. But at the same time, man, um, you know these people are trying to fucking work. Don't get in their way, and don't start shouting about tunas, whatever the fuck your plan was. Who cares, motherfucker? Nobody gives a shit. Um, so we stand up and uh, they start to parcel the group out, and I look at a mod. And I'm like, oh fuck, man, I don't, you know because I didn't know what the group leaders were going to be like, and I didn't want to have to deal with fucking Hirakuni the whole fucking time. If, if sadanari was going to take a group, I wanted to go in his group. Uh, and Ahmad looks at me and he goes, what's wrong, man? You don't like the tuna boss? And I dude, I just fucking looked at him, and it was, it. dude, it was like a firework went off. It was like a fucking 21-gun salute because this was the, literally, you could not think of a more perfect description of Mr. Hirakuni than fucking tuna boss fucking i i mean i just i was just like dude tuna boss is gorgeous and ahmad left i'm like dude that is fucking perfect that's exactly who he is because he had that like i said he had that kind of mob vibe and he also had this fucking weird this coat pulled up around his neck and the fucking hat on he just he just looked like a guy who had fucking ulterior motives and four different plans for schemes or whatever the fuck and uh tuna boss Holy fuck. So now, so then that was it. Hirakuni was tuna boss from that point on. Where's the fucking tuna boss? Where'd tuna boss go? Goddamn motherfucking tuna boss in the house. So we line up to go out and it turns out that they're not in charge of the tours. Like we all just go as, as like uh, you know, with, with Mr. Sadanari and we just walk out and dudes, we walk into this fish market and it is pitch black. There's lights, there's, there's hanging lamps and the whole place. Of course, it smells just of seafood, of fish. And there is this never ending group of people on forklifts and scooters and wagons driving by and they are, you know, they're just like they bark, hike hike. They're barking at us to get out of the fucking way. And and the thing is you can't get separated. We had to go up and and also it was like we were sneaking around the premises. It wasn't like a straight line to a building. We had to walk up to a checkpoint and stop. And everybody stood there while forklifts went by and then we had to sneak over to the next one. And whenever there was you know they didn't stop for us. There was not a stop sign. There was not like, oh absolutely we're glad to have you guys here. Bullshit. We went when we could and we all had to move as a group and we all had to stop as a group. You know, there wasn't it couldn't get separated. We had to move. And, and it's funny. I've been playing this game on Twitch. where you got to sneak around. That's what it was like. We were sneaking around the fish market, just hoping to get a glimpse while these other people trying to just do their fucking jobs and trying to make a living and look at us because we we could not be more of a nuisance, literally just fucking a pile of jean coming in and observing their fucking job just because we think it's fun. And they're like, fuck you. We're working here, man. We're trying to make all the fucking money in the world. And uh, and the whole thing was we were there to see the auction. We wanted to see the goddamn auction. So we're walking through and I'll tell you this. There's mountains of fucking styrofoam too. I I don't I don't know what kind of a planet killer the Tsukiji fish market must be, but there was piles of fucking styrofoam and plastic and boxes and and just, just you could just see, you know, you want to talk about overfishing, fuck that, they're going to kill the ozone before they wind up killing the fucking fish in the sea because they have ruined everything with plastic and styrofoam, baby. And we're, we're sneaking around, we're walking, there's fucking piles of boards, we're going around a truck, there's a two-wheeler, someone got fucking, you know, almost in the way of a forklift, there's honking and yelling, and it's pitch fucking black. There's lanterns hanging, but there's no fucking well-lit, path. And it's not a straight line. We're walking, we're turning, we're twisting, we're hiding, we're jumping, we're moving. It was great. It was fucking beautiful. Maud and I, we got separated and then I'm his, cause he crossed the way ahead of me and I had to wait for another forklift and he went inside and, uh, I knew I'd catch up to him. So we finally get into this building where the tuna auction is and they tell us, and Mr. Sadanori had told us, he's like, uh, Sadanari. he had said, you can take photographs, you can film, do whatever you want to do. So we went in to a room and I, I should tell you this on the way into this room, there were these cubicles, and you could see gigantic tuna. Tuna are huge fish. You know, you get a can of tuna, whatever the fuck. They're they're monstrous, and you could see guys. They're frozen. You know, they're bringing them in from the ocean or whatever. They've been in the hold, and uh, and I don't know if they're all brought in frozen. Some are fresh, whatever. But we're watching frozen fish put on a bandsaw and getting their heads sawed off. <sniffs> like just put it right through, and you just fucking slice it right off, and then just pour. You know, it took three guys. They'll pick up a piece of a big fucking fish and put it on a stack, and. We finally wind up in the room where the auction is. And uh it's it's really it's almost like I, I would imagine what it would be like if you went to the stock market. Okay, but it was the calm before the storm because all these mongers are walking around. It's all fish mongers who work for restaurants, it's restaurant owners, it's supermarket owners. I found out now that supermarkets are actually uh they've passed restaurants as as the leading uh consumer of of fresh seafood in Japan. And so they're walking around and there's there's fish laid out on pallets and every fish is, you know, it's got its head cut off. It's just a gigantic tuna and guys walk around and they they have a, a hook and they'll pull a flap of tuna aside and they'll kind of feel it to see they're looking for oil. They're looking for flesh consistency. They're just... Doing the best they can to get the best fish for their and and at the best price, obviously. So they're they're walking around, they're taking notes, and they have you know fucking pencils behind their ear. old school, straight up fucking old school. There's nobody nobody's like yeah, newfangled with a suit. Nobody's slick. It's these fucking dudes in like boots and and. Overcoats and fucking hats pulled down over their eyes and they're they're taking their hooks and burying them in the fish and looking and they can't abuse the fish too much and they just pull, there's a flap cut so they pull that aside and they get to look and touch and, uh, and they're all walking commiserating they're kind of whispering to one another dude, it was just, it was almost like a church of fish it was just these guys with the reverence they treated everything as they looked and decided and they schemed and they plotted and they planned and they were taking little pencil notes on their pad of paper about what they would pay for what number and uh you know i'm i'm tall this was the good thing is i was tall so i was able to fucking i'm seeing over everybody and i'm filming it i have film of all of this i filmed them all walking around and judging i filmed them looking at stuff and then all of a sudden a fucking bell just clang 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 clang, clang and i'm like holy shit and a guy just starts barking really loudly in japanese and everybody kind of hops to attention they start looking and then another guy starts ringing a bell and i realize there's two different auctions in the same room one is much further away from us and then there's one that's in the foreground and. uh, and the guy just starts yelling. He's giving a speech. He's just like, but it, and I can't, you know, I, obviously I can't do Japanese, but he's it's very loud and, and people are paying attention. And we're i I'm filming all of this. And then he just starts yelling numbers and pointing, and guys start raising their hands, and he's and it's it's a fucking auction. It's a complete it's just it's just like you would see in a movie. And I'm not gonna again I'm not it's almost like I I can't do it, but if this were in Japanese, he's like, All right, I got 41, 41, 41. Who have I got? I got forty-two, I got forty two over here, forty-two, forty, forty. Like that. But he's it's in Japanese and guys are raising their hand and they're bidding and they're pricing and all this stuff. And then he would clang the bell, and then a guy would bang a fucking gavel when they were when one was sold and they would go to the next one. And uh and I look at a mod, I'm just I'm just I he's smiling, I'm smiling because we're beaming. Because again, you're seeing something a lot of people have seen, but it just still felt like you were kind of on the inside, you know, like you were you were observing something uh special. It was absolutely special. The sumo was special, and then and then the sushi was special and and we started to peek around and you could see guys carrying other fish and there were different kinds of fish, not just tuna. And there was, there was one, I saw this one forklift go by with a box of just a, a ton of fish, like smaller fish. Like, you know, uh, I, I don't, I couldn't even tell you what they were. Um, but, but there, there were mackerel, there was a, a section for mackerel, but all the tuna is what was being, being auctioned off. And, uh. You know, we, they said we would only be there for five minutes, but it's, se- I think we we're there for a good 15 minutes, man. It was fucking cool as hell. And I was happy because we were there for the f- the start of it. There were two different groups. We we were there for the start. So we got to see them looking and pricing and touching and, and judging and taking the notes and murmuring and, and commiserating and then seeing the guy ring the bell and start the whole fucking thing off. And then the cacophony and, our, and it just, and they were off to the goddamn races. And, uh, And then, uh, you know, Mr. Sadanori waves and we all had to move on. And then, then you got to sneak your fucking way out. So we're sneaking our way out, going, turning around and there's forklifts and we're dodging and we're fucking moving. And then I will admit part of me realized, man, I really want to stay here. Like part, I wanted to break off from the group and try to go look in places I shouldn't look because... You know, it just it just had that vibe like you could sneak around. And, and look, I'm not going to sneak around I'm six two, three fifty, guy Jean. They're going to fucking see me immediately. Ahmad fucking Arab guy from Kuwait. I'm sure they're going to pick us out of a fucking lineup the second we fucking get lost. But I wanted to. I thought about it. You know, I really wanted to. And and as we were walking, I was filming. I was filming the mountains of styrofoam. I filmed as much as I could and, and the forklifts, just the whole the, the whole busy atmosphere. It was like being on. You ever see those videos from YouTube where like the streets in Taiwan where nobody's stopping? It was like that. It was just constant zoom, zoom, zoom. There were there were even like little traffic lights built in, but you had to. It was incumbent upon the pa- the uh, the the pedestrian to stay out of the fucking way because these are guys doing work and doing hard work. And and we did, we did the best we could, and we we made our way out of there. You know, by the time we walk out, it's it's probably after sneaking in and sneaking out, it's it's gotta be six six fifteen, and then you are turned loose on the fish market. So we're walking around, and there's it's uh, it's an open air. Uh, for, you know, there's the actual fish market where they're doing the auction and people are working, but then you get out and then there's a market, an open air, almost like a farmer's market that you would have in America or wherever, but it was open air for fish and for, for weird Japanese vegetables and for creatures from the sea you've never fucking seen before. And so Ahmad and I are walking around. And also I said to him, I go, look, we're having, we're having a, a sushi for breakfast. He goes, Oh my fucking God. Of course we are. Absolutely. Uh, and so we, we were looking for the ideal place to have sushi for breakfast. And we walked and we went to these Dude, I saw, I took a photo of like a dried pressed octopus. I got to show it to you. It's fucking phenomenal. It's just, it was gigantic. Uh, there were these, these these stands with just bowls of live crabs and weird vegetables like mushrooms in some sauce. And I didn't even know if they were mushrooms. It could have been snails. I don't fucking know. But again, that was the cool thing about Japan. You know, all the, fa- the signs are in Japanese. And if you ask somebody, they were friendly and they would help you. But it was just more fun to walk up and look at a bunch of shit. What at one point I went to a, uh, <laughs> I went to a table, and I was a mod, and I and I just I looked at this stuff. You couldn't tell what any of it was. It looked like plankton or small fish or or possibly snails out of their shells. I don't fucking know. But it was a, it was a whole bunch of it in different fucking containers, and I, I go, this is a mystery table, dude. The table of mystery is fucking awesome. So I filmed it. And, uh, and I, I even said, I go, this is a table I call fear factor <laughs> and fucking Ahmad laughed. I go, cause boy, if you want me to put this in my mouth, man, we gotta have, we gotta have a real long conversation about that. Uh, cause it was shit. I couldn't identify and I'm willing to try anything. Like I, I really looked for bugs to eat. Like I wanted to eat bugs while I was there. I wanted to eat all sorts of different stuff. And, uh, and it was just, it was the best, man. We walked, like I said, there were live crabs in bowls. There were king crabs. These fucking, you ever seen a king crab? I mean, look, we eat crab legs. Then you eat king crab legs. But you ever see those ones that look like prehistoric fucking monsters that two guys have to hold up and stretch their fucking legs out? We went to stands that had those for sale. There, let's put it this way. There was a building and it had like a fucking crab, a gigantic crab on the building with a gigantic fish. It was huge. You know, one of those fucking, looked like a like a, you know, probably a fucking 20 foot crab. And then we went to a fucking booth that looked like it had an actual five foot long king crab, like the fucking claws and the legs, and and then they had live crabs in the in the in, you know little little tiny ones in like red sauce, so you could eat them live right out of the fucking red sauce. It was just fascinating. So we're looking for a sushi place, and then were, there were a couple of places that weren't open yet. Some places opened at six thirty, some had opened at six a.m. But they were you know some were it just didn't look good, and we finally found a place. It looked like there was a few people inside. So we walk into the joint, and we go to sit down. And there's a group of people at the fucking you know the sushi bar. There's only two seats left, and there's a bunch of people at the tables. It was really busy. And we walk in, and uh, we're just like, and they're like, "Hey, say, And they, they they gesture at the fucking sushi bar, and uh, we hear, "Well," and we turn around, motherfucking tuna boss. Uh, he's there in his hat and his fucking coat and he's like, ah, you boys, because he kept trying to get everybody to go to this one particular restaurant. We found our way to that restaurant on accident. We didn't follow the tuna boss. We just wound up walking in and there's tuna boss. He's entertaining everybody. All these people have been on the tour. We sat next to a couple of guys from fucking, uh, who were the dudes? They, they were Canadians, the guys who sat next to at the sushi bar. And, um, and we just started ordering food and tuna boss comes over. He's like, Oh, you've got to try the tuna. You have to have the magro. Hey, where are you? Where are you from? And he's like, Kuwait. Oh, I I love Kuwait. Yeah, sure you do. I bet you do. Just glad handing. And he just I, I checked, literally, he walked away. I checked for my wallet. Like he was one of those dudes. He just was he was oily slick. An older gentleman, but I mean, and I dug him. I, but and let's put it this way. Beforehand, I wasn't like I was like, eh, whatever, this fucking guy. He's just, you know, he's he's got a bunch of knowledge, he's trying to fucking scam us. But once he became the tuna boss, he became our hero. So we walked in, we're like tuna boss. We actually called him tuna boss. What's up, tuna boss? He comes over, he's like, hey, I knew you would come. I, I hope you would like the tour. And he's, "Did do you like Tsukiji, where are you from? And we told him I was from America. And oh, Americans, absolutely. We have Canadians here. We have other people here. And he was glad-handing the entire restaurant, just walking in circles and talking to everybody, and we're getting food. And dudes, we ordered, we just ordered tuna right away. We ordered tuna sashimi. And and again, dude, it was just, it was just like the ocean. It just tasted so fresh and so perfect. It tasted like everything smelled. It tasted. It tasted like the ocean. It tasted like the sand feels when you're when you're walking on it. It was so fucking delicious. We ate tuna sashimi and then we ordered salmon. and uh, And it's funny. Ahmad's not even a salmon guy, but he indulged me and I got some salmon. and We ordered. Uh, we ordered some, uh, we ordered roe, We ordered Tobiko. We ordered, I mean, we just, we just started calling our shots, man. And we ordered all sorts of, and everything was delicious and fresh and unbelievable. And tuna boss would come over and be like, you got to get this. You got to get that. And, and he'd walk away and we'd look at the menu and he wanted us to order something that was $55. You know what I mean? <laughs> like obviously he was working for the restaurant. So, uh, we ordered one plate of it at one, you know, the first thing we ordered was his suggestion. And then he's like, well, get out about this. What about this? It's all 38 bucks, 50 bucks. We're like, eh we'll get what we want. And so we ordered regular sushi and we just, but, but the feel of it, the whole, because now it's, you know, after walking through the market and it was cold and there was this nip in the air and I'm not dressed for it, but it didn't matter. My nose, my fingers. And, you know, we had, we had walked to Sumo hall back and forth the previous day and I hadn't slept, man. I'm, I'm in that dreamy ethereal world of not sleeping. And it felt kind of like a dream. You know, you're seeing weird creatures and, and you're having sushi for breakfast. And it just was so different and so perfect and so Japanese. I mean, it was it was incredible. It was just such a dream. And uh, we're eating. We're talking. We're talking to the chefs. And people are starting to drift out. And the Canadians bailed. And, and we're more food. And we're looking at the menu. And we're talking. And uh, pretty soon, it's just me and Ahmad and a couple other people. And I look around. And I'm like, oh, dude, where the fuck is Tuna Boss. And Ahmad's like, oh no, I don't know. Maybe he's in the restroom. And I go, no, did he bail? And uh, and we looked at the chef, and I'm like, where where is Mister Hirakuni? And he goes, oh, he, I I think he left. And I'm like, oh, man, I get very in a very broken. I don't want to imitate their Japanese, but I think he he gone, he left. Um, and I'm like, motherfucker, how did we not get a picture with Tuna Boss? What the fuck is wrong with us? And, and uh, Ahmad is like, I can't believe we didn't do it. He goes, usually you're the first guy. I, go, I know. I was just We were eating and having fun, and he was walking around. I figured he wouldn't leave until the last fucking soul was out of the restaurant. God damn it. How do you fucking miss out on Tuna Boss? So now I have to give you this description of what he looked like and who he was, and I, I'm, oh, I'm furious. I, could, I, was, I took pictures of fucking everything. I got a million fucking photos. And, and to lose Tuna Boss, I'm like, dude, what a fucking dope. I was so mad. So when we ordered more sushi <laughs> to console myself and we powered that down and and just, uh, just reveled in the magic of what was Japan. And, and, and like I said, floating, floating through it like a dream, no sleep, walked out and we kept walking around because now it's even, it, it seems weird. Like it was getting to be morning. Now it's like eight in the morning. So we've been there for six hours and, uh and it feels almost colder. I don't know how to explain it. Like it felt like there was even more of a chill in the air, but the market was even busier. People had started to show up and they're walking around and they're buying. And it was, and also I will tell you uh, same deal with the sumo. It felt very traditional Japanese because it was a lot of elderly people, a lot of older people, and they were there shopping for ingredients and they were picking up their fish and getting crabs. And I'm sure it was a lot of shop owners as well. And a lot of restaurant owners as well. And they were buying crabs and bags of, of, of vegetables and, and we were walking, and I just, the whole vibe of it, because again, the, the sun is coming up and, uh, and we're full. We're so full from sushi and the smell, and I can still taste it in my mouth and smell it on my lips. And, and the whole market has that aroma, and, and it was just magic. It was so beautiful. So I look at a mod, I'm like, what are we doing here? And he's like, well, we got to, you know, we can get a cab or something. And I go, uh, yeah. Okay. And he goes, we're not getting a cab. I go, what? And he goes, no, we'll take the train. He goes, I have the train schedule here. I said, okay. Cause he had found the train wasn't, uh, I don't think the train was running the night before. That's why we took the cab. So we, we left the market and, uh, and we're, we had to, you know, he, again, Ahmad reads Japanese, which is fucking incredible to me. He had granted he had Google maps too, but he knew where we were going and what train we needed to get home. So, uh, we're drifting through the market. It's crowded. We're looking. And then also not only was the market crowded, but the streets were crowded because people were heading to work. It was a work day. I think it was a Thursday that we actually went to this Wednesday was sumo Thursday was, was sushi. And we walk outside. So all these business people in their clothes are are hustling here and hustling there and going all over the fucking place. And, and it's the vibe, you know what I mean? Because Tokyo is so alive. It's such a such a breathing, living entity. Whenever you're out, whatever you're doing, I showed you that video of me at midnight on the train. You couldn't move. It was packed. There's just so many people, and they're all on top of one another, and they're hustling. It's like New York, man. You, you've been in New York. You've been outside even Chicago at rush hour in certain places. You're walking to and from. You're, you're crossing streets. You're in crosswalks. You're hustling. You're bustling. It's just that... That I love a city. I love walking a city. I love being in a city. I love the vibe of a city. And to be in Tokyo, which was a city on top of being a mystery. Well oh, fuck, that's all about me. So we leave the market, we're heading to the train station. We, you know, take a turn to left to right, and a like go here, go there, go here. We turn left and we're walking and there's a coffee house, kind of a chain restaurant. Uh, and and, you know, let's put it this way. They got pancakes in the window. So it's like that thing where they're trying to draw (laughs) You can clearly tourists. Hey, you know, all that weird shit you've been eating. We ain't got none of that shit. We got fucking pancakes. And we're like, all right, cool. So, uh, we walk and we look at the sign for pancakes. And as I look, I I went to make fun of them. I was like, literally like, oh dude, fucking pancakes. And I look inside. Motherfucking tuna boss is in the pancake house sitting in a booth. Holy shit! And I literally I go tuna boss, tuna boss. And my goes what I go, dude. Fucking tuna boss is in there. I go bullshit. This is I go this is a, this is fate. This is a miracle. This doesn't happen by accident. And he's eating. And this is my favorite part of the whole thing. He gets us into sushi house to buy $55 plates of tuna. This motherfucker is choking down half a breakfast sandwich in some shitty coffee place. So I don't know if he's broke or he's scheming or what the fuck, but he was saving his money for something besides sushi. And I went in and I got him. I tapped on the window and I waved and he waved and I kind of waved him to come outside. And he looks at me like, what the fuck? What, why? What are you, do- why are you tapping on the window? What are you doing? So uh, he kind of gets up hesitatingly and I, I hesitantly, hesitatingly. And I put my head in the door and I look at him and I go, uh, tuna boss. And he looks at me, he goes, hello, my friend. Oh, he goes, America, how are you? And he comes inside, he goes, Kuwait, how are you? And I said, look, I, I have to get a picture with you. He goes, oh, really? And I go, yeah, I just, I we wanted to get one at the tuna house and, and you were gone, but I I can't go back to America without pictures of the tuna boss. And he's like, okay, great. So I took I took a a selfie of me holding the phone with him, you know, just up close. And then I had Ahmad take a couple of photos. Now I, I I'm pissed that I didn't get a photo of me Ahmad and the tuna boss because Ahmad is he just I just I don't know if I didn't think of it or Ahmad didn't jump in or there wasn't anybody to take the photo. But I I will put up a photo of me with tuna boss on the Joker's page and pop on Instagram as well. I just. But what a fucking miracle. What a goddamn home run to leave the market. And people are hustling. And we're moving. We're trying to get the train. And we're moving. We take a couple of left-hand turns. And there's a, some shitty pancake fucking house. Like literally this fucking fast food joint. And there he is. I saw the hat. I saw the coat. I saw the boss. The motherfucking tuna boss, baby. And he came out, took a couple of pictures with me. And then we, we, I, I think I gave him a hug because I'm inappropriate and fucking strange. And we wound up walking away. And we went to find the train. And I'm walking with the mod. I looked at him and I go, dude, that was magic. And he goes, yeah, it was. I go, and then to find the tuna bus? He goes, unbelievable. Unbelievable to find the tuna bus after that. And uh, we crossed the street. And we were by a government building that had like a kind of a, a dome on top of it, kind of a dome shape. And the sun was coming up behind it. And I said, oh, dude, I got to get this picture. And... Uh, you know i had to position it where it wasn't glaring in the lens or whatever but i i have i have two photos one of which is much better where you can literally see the sun coming up behind this dome casting uh its light over this this government building that just it looks official and beautiful all at the same time and it's it was a perfect punctuation for the for the magic of the two days that we spent in traditional japan and like i said my friend is going back in april and i hope he has the best time ever and uh and I loved it so much, and I can't wait to go back and I don't know if I go back alone or I go back with my friend uh but I will go back eventually and uh and hell, I might stay, you know I mean the Tsukiji market is now I will tell you closed, they've actually moved on, they have a different area where they do the fish, and it's brand new and it's sparkling. And uh, they let people come in and they all watch from an observation deck rather than on the floor where the auction takes place. They've taken the experience and they've buffed it up and they shined it and they've done everything they can to profit from it going forward. And they've they've made it probably more efficient for them, but less magical for the people who come to see it. And I am so happy I was able to see it the way it truly was supposed to be. I was happy. I was able to walk through grungy alleys and dirty streets and see crabs in a bowl and see fishmongers shouting at one another with their hooks gleaming under fucking electronic lights and, uh, and, and share all that with my friend and strangers and the tuna boss and Mr. Sadanari. And, and that's gone away. I mean, if you've experienced, you have that in your lexicon forever, but it'll never come back. They've moved on from the tradition and they've moved into the modern and and I know a lot of people in Japan are decrying that. And it's actually the the attendance has gone down because the experience is not the same. Just like with sumo, the experience is not the same. And you you have older people clinging to tradition and you have younger people saying, Well, no, this probably isn't something we'd be interested in. And and yeah, I understand that. Time marches on. You can't stop progress. All that bullshit. But but I, I like to think that there's a place for sumo. I like to think that there's a place for centuries old tradition i'd like to think that there's a place for a mr Sadanari to come out and tell us that he'd spent 35 years working in an industry and you could just palpably feel the pride he had by sharing that with you not not because he felt there was anything in it but because he had to tell you how unbelievably beautiful and how how fulfilling and how enriched his life was by having worked there things change but i'll be forever grateful i got to japan when i did because i was able to experience what was and i have to be told how it used to be. You guys can get me at Mike at Mike Schmidt comedy.com. You guys can be my friend at facebook.com slash the 40 year old boy. You can follow me at twitter.com slash the 40 year old boy. That's right. I'm there. You'll find me. I'm your friend and pal. Did you know I'm on Instagram? I should tell you that right now. I'm also on Snapchat. What? Oh my God. I'm so old. And yet I am. I there. I lurk. I'm there. I there. <laughs> Hi there. I'm boom, boom, Washington. I'm on Instagram and Snapchat at Mike four zero Y O B. That's Mike four zero Y O B. Find me there and become a pal and a follower and an internet chum. Become my Snapchat chum, become an Instagram chum. I'll be putting up some Japanese photos because of this show. Why not? What do I, what have I shared you some of the 380,000 photos I took in Japan or even some of the videos that would be totally great. Find me at Instagram and Snapchat, I'm 40 YLB. Hey, you know we got a Twitch channel. Did you know that? I don't think I mentioned it yet today. Or I mentioned it a hundred times and I forgot. But uh you go to twitch.tv slash the forty-year-old boy, subscribe over there. Well, subscribing is money. If you can do that, great. Uh, but I'll tell you this, more important if you become a follower, that's fantastic. Well, it's not more important. Certainly money's important. But anyway, become a follower over there at twitch.tv slash the forty-year-old boy. I would appreciate it. Uh, I'm on there every Tuesday through Sunday streaming, playing games. Uh, it's been Red Dead Redemption two for the past four weeks, a month, I think five weeks, something like that. Well, I'm done with that now, baby. As of tomorrow, I will be streaming. Well, uh, two days ago, you're getting this Thursday, <laughs> Tuesday as of tomorrow. Cause I'm just, uh, whatever the fuck uh, as of today, this week, Tuesday, uh, not today, yesterday, uh, shut up. As of Tuesday of this week, I'm now doing Resident Evil 2. But you're going to hear this Thursday, so I'll already be three three days into it or two days into it. So there will already be some scary stuff happening. But Resident Evil 2 is the new game we are streaming over there at the Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash the 40-year-old boy. Follow along. That would be great. If you want to be a subscriber, there's Tier 1, Tier 2, and Tier 3. But also, get this, folks. If you're an Amazon Prime customer, you can become a Twitch Prime subscriber. Now, I'm going to tell you about this on the other side as well, but I'll tell you now. It doesn't cost you anything. You find the Amazon Twitch Prime subscription and you do that. I get money and you just get the satisfaction of knowing you helped me by doing it. How great is that? You can help me without fucking having to pay anything. Uh, So please go ahead and go to the Twitch channel and watch us streaming every Tuesday through Sunday. I'm on there and I'm getting it done playing games and having fun with people new and old. We get a whole group of regulars over there and then we get other people joining every single day. I hope you're one of them. Uh, that's a weird thing to do in the plugs oh you know what I'll tell you about our friend Ryan Dirks let's do that I guess I could have done Twitch on the other side of this let's talk about our good friend Ryan Dirks who does all of the audio stuff no 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 that's a lie he does all the web stuff for this show go find him at facebook.com slash Ryan Dirks I threw myself off by putting Twitch in here Uh, he's at facebook.com slash Ryan Dirks contact him and tell him he's the best become his friend and tell him you love him seems strong but tell him you love him why not Um, and then also folks all of the music all of the music and all of the artwork for this show is handled by one man and one man only, Cubby Broccoli, the man who invented James Bond. No, that seems aggressively weird and strange. Why would I come up with that name? Why was it in my brain? I don't know. I'm talking about David Mex Hernandez, my longtime friend. Uh, he has been around forever and ever, and he is doing the music. He's doing the artwork. He's just just the coolest guy. You can find him and be his friend at facebook.com slash David Mex Hernandez. That would be great. He would love it. He needs friends. Uh, don't we all for ho- fuck's sake? Really? When you think about it. Uh, but also here's the thing. You want him to do artwork for you? Look at the artwork. Go take a look at what he did. I don't know what it is yet. Cause I haven't talked to him, but I will tell you, if you look at it right now, I'm sure it's fantastic and fabulous. But, uh, like last week, the operation one, when we talked to, we came up with that. I was like, God damn, this is fucking beautiful. And then it just, it's just the show's that much better when he's involved. And I love it. I love his artwork. You will too. You want him to do something like that for you? Of course you do. Go to artbydmh.com. That's his website. Art by DMH.com. He will do a painting for you, a watercolor. He'll do an oil. He'll do whatever the fuck you need him to do. And if you want it to be of a family member, you want it to be of you and your wife, you and your husband, uh, you and your kids, your kids with dogs, whatever the fuck, anything you want a fish, a favorite memory, a superhero. If you want him to do, he had, you know, he did Valscapes and guy cons. So, you know, he can do popular figures. If you got somebody, you want him to paint. say so you're like, Oh man, I want a Mr. Blonde painting like Mike has. He can do something like that for you. Whatever you have in mind. He's so fucking talented. You just bring it to him and he says yes or no. Mostly. Yes. And uh, by the way, you're paying for this. I don't know if I mentioned that. If I mentioned you're paying for this, please know that you got to give him money because the man doesn't work for free. Cause you know what? If you're good, at something never do it for free you know who taught us that of course the joker hey you want to paint i want him to paint a joker for you he can do that too go to artbydmh.com. visit our friend david contact him tell him what you want he'll tell you if he can do it and if you got the money i'm pretty sure he can do it because he's the fucking best that's artbydmh.com. dmh.com a-r-t-b-y dmh.com
0: get around grab a wet nap i got something you need to hear I'm gonna tell you a little story. Story, yeah.
1: No, don't, don't do that. I don't need all that history, Alex.
0: I mean, bullshit. Sorry. Late one night, my strange brother reaches up to me. Andy. No, not Andy. He wants to be friends. Not only that, he wants to offer me a job. I says, cool, that sounds great. I need some cash, my brother. I got to come clean with you. I've been talking some serious shit about you in my one-man show. He says, cool, ain't no sweat. And by the way, my two daughters want to meet you. So I think, whoa. you telling me you have no problem with me telling stories about you on stage? You want to offer me a job and I get to be a part of my niece's lives? Motherfucker, are you drunk? He says, yeah. So I says, why are you so chill with all this stuff all of a sudden? Dig this. He says he's been following Eastern philosophy. Eastern philosophy? All I have to say is that Buddha is one forgiving motherfucker. Buddha. Now the problem is that I want to take another serial killer gig. I mean, I've worked for Lenny before, that shit never works out. How am I going to work this job but not fuck up a relationship? I didn't what I must do What I had to do Lenny is Lenny and I'm me The only thing I can do is what I did I became someone else I became what this town needed I became a hero I became a rib-delivering vigilante I'll take ribs to the Bronx, Brooklyn I'll take them to Harlem, I don't care Don't make no difference to me It does the song? Some won't even take Texas beef ribs Don't make no difference to me do i
1: Sponsors? Is that what you asked? I thought I heard you say something. Did somebody say sponsors? My head is on a swivel because I just heard the word sponsors. Well, again, as I've mentioned many times, plural is not the way to go when we talk about sponsors for this show. We just got one. We got one person stepping up to the goddamn plate, and that's the fearful Jesuit. That's the one who goes ahead and says, you know what? This is the show I need my advertising on. Now, that's not for lack of uh, trying? Well, bullshit! I don't try. I sit in my fucking apartment. If someone if someone knocked on my door, once well, a Hey, can we sponsor your podcast? I'd be like, What do you got there? I, what is that? A fucking a dildo shaped like a shark? In holy shit! Did I just met a dildo shaped like a shark? I might have. You know what? If you have a dildo shaped like a shark, because there's also those horse cock dildos. Which that dudes, what the fuck, man? I I don't. I know there's bad dragon dildos too. Those are all fucking weird. I dude, What the fuck happened to this world? What happened to all of us? Everybody. I mean, look, people are putting weird things in their vaginas. We talked about it earlier in the show, certainly. Uh, unless you jump in here for the plugs. Let me let me ask you. If you jumped in here at the plugs, go back. Because I covered this a lot earlier in the show. Uh, people are just putting... Because, I mean, it's funny. They always do this thing at the end of the year on, like, Deadspin, where they're like, what do we put in our fucking ass this year? And guys with, like, candy canes and people with fucking winches and all sorts of dumb shit in their ass. And I got to imagine women put stuff in their vaginas. And there's enough... Look, some people are looking for pleasure. Some people are mentally ill. And we've talked about docking and tuning fork dudes and all those motherfuckers. I mean, all that shit. I don't I'm fucking, I don't get that sounding. It's, is that what it's called? Uh, don't put anything in my cock, seriously. And, and don't put that. But they see these bad dragon fucking dildos. I'm like, ladies, I don't even, who, that's like someone just went, you know what? I wish I could fuck a book. Because those things are gigantic and shaped weird. It's like someone thought, I wish I could just fucking fit a book into my vagina. I. I it just seems like such a fucking reach. What kind of... Maybe there's hard-to-reach places in the vagina that I can't reach with my, my, my normal equipment. I don't know. Maybe the book gets it done. Maybe the dragon dildo makes it happen. Maybe like when i saw ain't a lady's world record maybe people need their their vagina to be stretched and and all that you know maybe that's why babies are there babies are there to actually condition you to getting stretched out by a bad dragon I, hold on i couldn't even finish that with a straight face that's why hold on a second mike your theory is now let me i'm going to go ahead and recount this for you mike your theory is that uh Procreation and our bodies were invented so women could carry babies to term, so they could stretch out their pussies for the inevitable invention of dildos shaped like books. Is that your position? Is that the hill you're willing to die on, sir? Uh, maybe, maybe the you know maybe the dildo book thing happened because of the babies. All right, I don't want to say babies were were part of the reason uh, to get women prepared for book dildos or bad dragon dildos or horse cock dildos, horse cock dildos. That's what drives me out of my fucking mind. I know there's bestiality and shit like that running rampant all over the guy. One well, running rampant seems strong, but out there there's all sorts of that happening. But uh, but but uh, a woman is just like, I got to get a, a fucking dildo shaped like a horse cock because I mean, look, there's enough horse cock dudes, you know what I mean? A horse cock dude vibrator dildo things, you know, the fucking porn stars will go do their fucking 10 or 11 inch man whatever the fuck, but an actual thing shaped like a horse cuz it a, a horsecock just looks like a fucking tentacle and it's got that weird round thing on the end which isn't I don't even know what the fuck that is it's just like a sucking moray eel at the end of a fucking long tube uh, hi i'm going to go into detail and describe what a horsecock looks like for you i am an idiot i got i got a fucking i'm you know what bleach my eyes and throw away my internet i'm fucking finished scrub my fucking brain cut open my head put my brain into a fucking tin of spick and span and span the fuck out of it baby and then put it back in my skull and maybe i'll forget I, I forget i've seen these fucking things uh hi So, have I mentioned there's a sponsor to this show? I think I have. Our good friend, Fearful Jesuit, hosts the... That's right. I like to let you finish. Very Rocky Horror. The Paranoid Strain podcast, which is available in the iTunes store right now. Go ahead and check out the Paranoid Strain podcast. He's got, you know, he's working on the new episode now, but the Flat Earth one, I believe is still up. And also all of the episodes are up. So if you're if you're just late to the party, if you're not someone familiar with the work of a Fearful Jesuit and his faithful compadre Dana and all of the hard work that they put into the Paranoid Strain podcast, it's so much different than this show. Like if he was going to talk about bad dragon book-shaped dildos, he would have a whole show about it and it would be meticulously written and well planned. It wouldn't just be me firing off fucking neurons and talking to you about women trying to slot library books into the most holiest of holies i mean fuck i can't have that happen on my show i can't write that shit but if he does it he sits down he plans it he does it in his fucking amazing voice and you just go goddamn this is a professional show me i'm just going off like a fucking garden sprinkler and who the fuck cares right you care everybody cares fearful Jesuit hosts paranoid strain that is a show that is available right now in the iTunes store fantastic show getting to the bottom of all conspiracy theories and fuckheads who are ruining this country through social media fearful Jesuit continues to send me notes telling me that the world has never been a better place than it is right now and I continue to I mean I understand it I get it and I totally appreciate that however uh, every day there's something that lends to the bleakness every every day the dimmer switch just turned is turned a little darker for me as far as my lookout and prognosis for this goddamn planet but that's okay? I'll be dead in 24 years. But uh, before then... Those next 24 years, please spend them. Subscribe to the Paranoid Strain Podcast hosted by Fearful Jesuit in the iTunes store right the fuck now. Go ahead and subscribe. Leave a note in the iTunes store telling them how much you loved it. Tell them we sent you. That'd be fantastic so he knows that we sent you. And also you can get him at Strain at gmail.com. Write him a note. Tell him what you love, what you don't love and he'll go ahead and, uh, and, and answer you because that's how he handles his business. He goes ahead, ah, stop saying handle your business. Why is that in my fucking brain? Every week I get something else that I gotta fucking do. But you know, when you're just firing off with no goddamn script, we end up uh, getting things in a loop and they keep coming the fuck out so i apologize i'll try to work on that for next week but i'm not apologizing what the fuck am i apologizing i've, sp- I've spoken extemporaneously for almost an hour and a half uh, holy shit an hour and 45 minutes um and that's before theme songs and mech song Where the I, I haven't even plugged those in i could be this could generally right now we could be an hour i'm gonna predict right now when you hear my voice right now look at your, your timer i'm guessing right now we are at one hour 48 minutes and 19 seconds Okay, I'm just, I'm saying that right now. I'm not going to, and believe me, if if I hit the post on that, I'm a fucking genius. The Paranoid Strain, hosted by our good friend, Fearful Jesuit, available now in the iTunes store. Please go ahead and grab it. He's the best. Do you want me to call you? Do you want me to make a video that you can see on your phone? Do you want me to make a video for your friends, your family, for an enemy, for your boss, for a coworker, for a cubicle mate? If you want me to do that, you got to get the Cameo app on your phone. Go ahead and download the Cameo app to your phone right now and look through all the famous people and go, I don't want to pay those prices, and then settle for me. <laughs> that's that's the move. Go ahead and settle for me on the Cameo app. I will go ahead. Look, I'll tell your cubicle mate that he needs to take a bath. I'll tell your friend that he can't cook. I'll tell your your wife that you love her and you want to be with her for the rest of your life. You too chicken to propose? Is that how it works? Mail me the ring. Book me for a Cameo. I'll hold it up. Mail it back. And then you give it to her at the same time as you give her the goddamn ring. I do all the heavy lifting. She gets the ring, you get the the lady for the rest of your life and you guys are happy forever with a unique story about your fucking proposal. And that unique story was that you were a fucking chicken and that she accepted by me. So technically, honestly, depending on the state where this took place, I'm married to your fucking wife, so step aside and let me into your marriage bed. Uh... So please get the Cameo app to avoid any and all uh, of these things happening. Please get the Cameo app and and hire me to do a normal thing, to tell your your sister happy birthday, to tell your your cousin that uh, that you've loved them since you were a child and you find it a weird way to confess it. You have to tell them through a third party. Because, you know, it's the love that shall not speak its name. And yet I am there to speak its name. That's why for only 20 bucks, I will speak the love that shall not speak its name. Name book me, motherfuckers. Cameo, the app, download it on your phone or find it at uh, bookmecameo.com. I don't even know the fucking web address because it's a phone thing. So get it on your phone. Don't argue. Who wants to drive for Uber? Who wants to drive for Lyft? I think everybody does. Uh, Well, uh, that seems strong, probably. But I think some of you do, certainly. Certainly. Although if you had, if you really wanted to, you'd be doing it by now, I guess. So this is a useless promo. And yet I include it because there's a chance that I can be one of your, one of the people out there. One of you will decide that you want an Uber pimp and that pimp is me. If you want to drive for Lyft, you want to use my code, Mike720057. That's Mike720057. And that's all caps. M-I-K-E720057. You can use that if you want to become a driver. You can use that if you're a first time Lyft rider. Either way, I'm going to get a taste of the gig and I appreciate that. You want to drive for Uber? You want to ride with Uber? Use my code DJZW1YTTUE, and that's all lowercase. DJZW, the number one, YTTUE. Use that if you're signing up to become a driver. Use that if you're a first-time rider. And again, as I've mentioned, like Steve Lawrence, I will get a taste of the gig, and that's important. I want to be your Uber pimp. Whether you're riding or driving, let me pimp you out to the Uber people. That's how I handle my, ah, uh, <laughs> see, stopped myself, but it was there. It was fucking lurking, God damn it uh so like what do i I get a website right oh you know i'll tell you about the youtube channel i think i already told you that beforehand i'll tell you about the twitch channel too uh i know i've I've already talked about this too but I, i i can't hesitate i can't hesitate i can't stress enough that if you follow me on twitch that's pretty cool it's free all of this is free if you come watch the show on and participate in the chat streams that's fucking cool and this week man i'm starting a zombie Game. Did I mention this earlier? I might have. Uh, <laughs> I like repeating myself. Uh, Resident Evil 2 is the new game. We've been doing Horse Opera. We've been doing Red Dead Redemption 2, and we wound up solving that just this past weekend. So now, this weekend, tomorrow, starting, well, it's, yeah, so I mean, if you come in, you're going to hear this on Thursday, but we're doing this show Monday, I, and I start Resident Evil 2 tomorrow, Tuesday. So I, I don't think I'll beat the game in three days. So if you hear this on Thursday and you're like, fuck, I want to see Mike run from zombies, then what you need to do is go ahead and follow me on the Twitch channel, slash the 40 year old boy. Follow follow me on there. If you want to subscribe, that's great too. There's tier one, tier two, tier three subscriptions. And also if you're an Amazon prime customer, you can follow me with the Twitch prime. I know I've covered all of this. I'm mentioning it again. Hit that little up forward 15 seconds. I'll be done in just a second here. Uh, but please follow me on the Twitch channel because, again, it lets them know I'm a hitter. And uh, the more people that are following me, the the more advertisements, which you don't give a fuck about. But I get I get money. And and that's, again, the whole goal here is to keep me off the road, to make my job being me. And, and uh, you're all working toward it. Everybody who comes in and fucking hangs out in the chat room and supports and talks. Uh, is the best and so this week I'm, like I said I'm switching to a zombie game so I might get more new people and of course the cast of regulars who's very nice and they set up and hopefully the regulars stick around I mean there might have been people who loved the horse game and then we move into Resident Evil because I don't know a fucking thing about Resident Evil I, I don't I know they made movies and whatever the fuck so I'm, I'm gonna go in blind and fight zombies and I know I've told you all this but I'm telling you it again please follow me at twitch.tv.com or twitch.tv twitch.tv slash the 40 year old boy and uh be a follower be a subscriber Check me out as I fight zombies this week uh, because I God knows I need your support. <laughs> you don't waste enough time on me during the week. Uh, every Tuesday through Sunday, I'm on there. I'm streaming. Mondays are for work days. That's today. Uh, all right, so that's available. And also YouTube, go subscribe to the YouTube channel because there will be Twitch clips coming soon. We'll be putting up more of these podcasts. As you know, I'm behind. I'm woefully behind because I have to learn to do things now. And uh, and I need, I'm, I'm trying to learn that my workday doesn't end when the microphone goes off. I'm trying to learn that my workday doesn't end when the PlayStation gets turned off. I have to then segue into the tech part and and i'm learning we're, we're putting it together we're trying to figure out all look I'm, I'm i'm working on all of these things like well first of all go to, before i get into that go to mike schmidt go to the merchandise page uh there's the amazon link there on the joe business page click on that if you're an amazon person and uh and we get money they get money you get stuff it works out perfectly man if you go ahead and do that i'd appreciate it very much uh it, it helps the show it doesn't cost you a goddamn thing it costs you 10 seconds to go to mike schmidt find the merchandise page hit the amazon like now you're shopping now you're shopping. And you're in there floating around and whatever you buy, I, again, as Steve Lawrence would tell you while he was clad in a towel, I get a taste of the gig. So uh, we get money, they get money, you get stuff. It is a perfect symbiotic relationship. Please use our Amazon link. It makes us, uh, it helps us immeasurably, just like subscribing on Twitch, just like subscribing on YouTube. As I've mentioned, YouTube is on there now. There's Twitch clips coming. There's all these things I'm trying to learn. I've got to put up. I've got to put all these different things there. Make them available. Uh, the Patreon is available. If you want to become a patron of Patreon, please sign up for that. That would be fantastic. We. Uh, we uh, I, I will say your name on the show. There's other things, and, and I will mention all of those things going forward, and we're, we're, we're working hard. We're learning things. That's what I mean. When I, when I say I'm learning things, and again, I don't know if you're tired of hearing me say I'm learning things at 51 years of age. Probably you are. Uh, because this is, again, this is my talent. This right here, my mouth. Everything from the chest up, I'm, I'm, I'm you'll never forget me. Everything from the chest down, I'm completely forgettable, I would imagine. Eh, not forgettable, but I mean, I'm just there. Uh, but this right here, this is my talent. This is what I have. And so I have to learn to bring my brain into it, and I have to learn to do the tech stuff as well. So... I'm learning to do the tech stuff on on YouTube and so I can post the podcasts. I'm learning to post Twitch clips. So I got to get that built up so people can start looking there. And, and then God forbid, I'm going to start talking about sports and movies on YouTube and doing standalone videos and things like that. We're talking about standalone stings where I've got to go back into the, the archives and find shit. It's just... It's gonna be a 24/7 job just to be me, and I, I've got to go ahead and make that work and make it happen. And I talk about it every week. Maybe it's just my own my own way of giving myself a little pep talk and having you guys hear it. It's accountability, you know. If you hear me say it, then you can go, Hey, Mike, man, what the fuck? Uh, like our buddy Adam Welker, you know, he's he's just the coolest guy. He reached out to me last week. He wants to help anyway. He's he's the guy who started the West Side 86 Joker's page, and uh, and he's just he's just the fucking man. And you know, and guys like Manny Mo, who Manny Mo and Jeremy who stepped up, dudes. I you know, uh, let's talk about this now. Manny Mo. You know, he's been around from the beginning. I talked about Manny Mo on the Thanksgiving episode. And and he's just a guy who who constantly supports. He's been not only listening, but he also supports financially. He was one of the first twenty five dollar a month guys on pay on PayPal and and he, he fucking donates all the time on Twitch. It's just he's such a it's a miracle to have people like that who want to help you and believe in you, and that's fucking great. And Jeremy, you know, I, I don't want to say Jeremy's last name, but Jeremy is a guy who uh he stepped up in an unbelievable way. You know, Jeremy's a Patreon patron. He's he supports all the time through Twitch, but also uh I now have a new PC, courtesy of Jeremy. I, I, you know, he he reached out and said, "What can I do to help with the, twi- the the Twitch extravaganza?" And I put him off for a while, for a month. I don't know if I've covered this on the show already or not, but it's it's you know what? Fuck it. If I have it, special enough to talk about it again. I told him, "Look, that I, I've I i did not you know, for a month I avoided c- writing him back because I said, look, the things I need are expensive. I need like a PC. I need a fucking gaming chair, and you know, a new chair for the office, whatever.'" And he's like, uh, "Well, I thought that's what it might be." And then he he just bought a PC, like a fucking Alienware. PC that I can use to stream Raspberry Pi games on and it's just it's just incredible so guys like Jeremy guys like Manny Mo, and all of you people anybody who's given a dime anybody who's listened and laughed you are the fucking coolest and you are making this work in a way that I I had always hoped it would work I wasn't sure if it would work, but I mean, I'm confident. I mean, I know who I am and I know what I can do. But also, I need to learn things on my end, you know. And it's it's rebirth, it's changing. January, like I told you, I'm really fucking excited going forward for Twitch. I hope you'll join me over there. I want to get the YouTube thing rolling. I'm actually being a personality on there. We'll see how that fucking works. And also you know, I've got to work personally on weight and issues like that. And, and where am I at with that? Well, you know, I haven't weighed in yet for February. You know, I told you I weighed in 361 is what I weighed in on January 1st. My goal was to lose 10 pounds a month. I am not going to lose 10 pounds this month because I only did cardio like three times, but I lifted every week, all three, you know, three days a week. And I lifted hard. And, uh, have I changed my diet? I have a little bit, but I also give in, I've had chips, I've had chocolate. I won't fucking lie. Uh, and so that's not good. That's not good. I'm trying to get a handle on it and trying to make sure I'm, I'm better than that. So February 1st, I'll weigh in again and i I'm And February 1st, I will make a post in the attaboy little Schmitty's attaboy fit brigade, which I have been avoiding because again, I'm, I'm, have been avoiding the healthy part, but also I got my oven fixed. Hey, how great is that? So now I can go cook. I can go buy food. I can go ahead and put and start making cauliflower and fucking chicken and real food and cooking and making the effort. And I'm going to get some cast iron stuff. I got a cast iron skillet to get a couple of more cast iron pans and just start fucking. I'm excited. God damn it. I'm excited. There's nothing wrong with being excited. All right. I know I'm fucking yelling and saying the same shit over again. And I'm talking in circles. And I know every year I do some show where I'm like, all right, this is the show. This is the time. This is that bootstraps, grab it and pull it up. But fuck, I want to make it happen so bad. And I really want to make the effort and I want to try it. I'm happy to do it. And you guys are fucking supporting and guys like Manny Moe and Jeremy and Scott and fucking Ruben and everybody who steps up and helps and fucking Radio Rob and Travis Barbecue and all the regulars and Christy and Kiki and everybody who's fucking hanging out on Twitch and coming in and, and not only, you know, helping with moderation and giving their time and their hours, fucking Ruben stays with me the whole fucking time. He watches from beginning to end and I can't wait to come to D.C. and fucking do a show and hang out with him and I can't wait to go to Canada and see Ken and John and Scott and everybody else and fuck, man, I'm so, I'm dudes, I'm happy, dudes, I'm excited, dudes, I can't I can't wait to fucking get out there and rampage and have all of you guys with me and just fucking see people and give them a goddamn giant bear hug and say fucking this is great and show to a throne if you're not gonna suck a dick.